I'll make a motion to open the meeting. Can I get a second? Second. Joe? Oh, we haven't right. no. I haven't boarded them in yet, sorry. David? Aye. <laughs> Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. I'd like to make a motion that we allow Mr. Amrine to attend virtually. Can I get a second? I'll second. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. I, I would like to make a motion that we take an item out of order. Mr. Manning is here this evening to discuss the, the MBTA regulations uh, that we have to work on um, in reference to being in compliance by 2024, and Planning Board's going to be partaking in it because we have to discuss it as well as well have open meetings about it. So, Gene, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Uh, I think I met many of you before. I'm uh, Gene Manning, Interim Town Planner. I'm also on the Board of Assessors and have done work with economic development, worked with you all in many capacities. So I appreciate the Chair's invitation tonight. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate you moving me up in the agenda. So um, I just wanted to give the Board an update on the uh, MBTA Communities Law. Um, I believe the Board probably had an overview of this from Laura uh, before she left. So just some background on this. The, uh, the state passed a bill in 2021 which requires communities that have any type of T facilities to consider zoning changes within a half mile of those facilities which allow for high density housing. Um, this impacts 175 municipalities in Massachusetts. Uh, there was a lot of concern, a lot of questions on this that came back from the municipalities. So in um, June of this year, 2022, the Executive Office of Housing and, and uh, Economic Development revisited this. And there were several changes that were passed in late August, early September 2022 that I just wanted to update the board on tonight. Um, so just some background on this. The changes were that I think the board's familiar with is the communities were put into different zones. So the first zone was a transit community. So this is uh, a community that would have one of the colored lines. So for example, Quincy, Cambridge, Watertown, uh, Somerville, the red line, blue line, Newton, et cetera, and so on. Canton is considered in the commuter rail zone where we do have the two stations. So what they actually did when this was first presented to this board, the numbers were fairly high for us to come up with some high density housing within a half mile of our two stations. That number has since been reduced. And um, talking to the select board last evening, they've asked that a committee be put together and I've been working with Vice, Vice Chair Lisa Lopez on this but the board was unanimous in agreeing that we put together a town committee, one of which would be from this board. So the board would be comprised of uh, Charlie Duty, who would be chair, the town administrator. Um, I believe that we'll have Ed Walsh from the building department, representative from the planning board, myself, a representative from the ZBA, um, who would all work. And our goal on this is to put together a town plan which needs to be filed by January 31st, 2023. Um, also, our new um, housing uh, person, Mr. Shea, would be involved as well. So uh, basically, what's been happening now, I know that the vice chair of the board has been in contact with Mr. Shea. We're looking at an overview map of the town of current densities according to the zoning. 
uh, pretty much in the areas here within Canton Junction and Canton Station. So uh, some of that's been put together. It's a work in progress. So just wanted to ask for the chair and the board support on that. And just I'm going to run through real quickly because I know you have other agenda items. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But uh, just this project, uh, just for the board's review, is to provide zoning for multifamily housing that eventually will produce more housing. So this is being asked by every 175 communities. As you move out and move farther away, communities, let's say, that are adjacent to a commuter rail community have had their density reduced. Um, but however, obviously the highest density are the T communities followed by commuter rail, followed by neighborhood. And there were some communities that had less than an acre of abutting or adjoining communities. So they have very minimal impact because the law really didn't make sense. So those were the changes that we'll put through um, in August and early September of this year. So uh, basically the incentive for this, if the town puts together a plan, and files it by January 31st. The state has promised to target certain funding um, programs for towns that are in compliance. And as I said to the board last night and as um, Vice Chair Lopez brought up, this isn't a plan that we have to implement by January 31st. This is a plan that would ask for this board's consideration to come up with a long-term zoning project that would enable high-density housing within one half mile of the two stations. So, you know, there'd be a natural process of developers coming in, looking at the land, partnering with the town, and then our percentage and our request of that as a percentage of the units would be regulated towards an income um, focus type program. Uh, we kind of covered this already, the categories, uh, the number of cities and towns that are, are nearby. Um, the zoning density has changed for Canton. Um, so, you know, I can go into that detail, whoever is the rep, uh, based on the chair's uh, input on that. This is just a map with the committee's review. So you can see all the municipalities that are impacted here, the rapid transit communities. You can see Canton there, we're considered a commuter rail the adjacent uh, community in an adjacent small town. So, you know, one interesting thing about this, I think the board's aware the commuter rail is being extended on the Stoughton line down to New Bedford and Fall River. So those communities, although they don't have commuter rail intact now, they'll eventually be impacted by this. So this is just some numbers. Um, we, we feel uh, in looking at this just from numbers and Laura had presented this initially and based on the changes in September, and you know I hope uh, this, this committee would agree is that Canton's well positioned for this. Uh, some of the Paul Revere housing side and some of the changes that the planning board's undertaken in the last couple of years has really served the town well. Um, I think with the zoning and future changes to be considered, um, there's a feeling that we'll be very close to where the number is of high-density um, uh, housing that the state is going to require us to do. And that's the charge of this committee to look at that. So in 2020, our toting, total housing units were 9,930. Uh, the minute, minimum land acreage area is 50 acres and Canton's minimum requirement has decreased to 1,490 within that area. So um, the expectation is that housing has to be within a half mile walking distance uh, 
of the two stations. So we definitely have some options based on existing zoning and then what um, planning board and zoning board and the uh, select board recommend in the future. So this is the working group that I mentioned. Um, so, you know, if, if there is some interest, you know, uh, with the chair's input to have a member participate with us, um, there was an email that went out this afternoon from Charlie, the new town administrator, asking for participation. Time is of the essence on this because we have to have a report filed with the select board by early December to mid-December, um, reviewed by town council agreed upon by all the boards and committees and then submitted to the state by January 31st. And again, that's the first draft of the plan. There isn't, we don't need to make zoning changes by then. We don't need to have the units in place by then. This is a, a multi-year long-term plan and I just have shared that with the select board and wanted to share that with you as well. So our goal here is to try to be in compliance because we will continue to apply for grants once we file this, it will continue to make Canton eligible for grants as we move forward in 2023. And that's the presentation. I, I'm certainly open to any questions. Again, I appreciate you making time for me tonight um, and appreciate a member's participation with the chair's approval. Anybody have any questions on it? I, I know when I attended the select board meeting last night, um, are they going to include um, the building commissioner as well? Yes. Okay. So yes. there will be six members for the committee. It's kind of funny because um, Lala thought under the old ones, which is saying were more dense, that Canton already met it. She told us that at a couple of meetings. Yeah, it's gone down. You know, I think the thing is, is that Laura was such, uh, had such great insight on that and institutional knowledge of the town. Um, I think th there have been so many changes. We're still evaluating the numbers, right, right. and that's what we've asked Mr. Shea to do, in, especially with the new housing trust role, right? Because yeah. That has clear defined parameters of what's included. I'm not an expert on that. You know, I don't know we have too many people in the town that are, but we're hoping that, um, you know, with, uh, with uh, Lisa's guideline and, and Mr. Shea, you know, his input, we're going to be in compliance. So we hope to have that number to you, whoever your rep will report back to the board. So that would be ideal. I mean, we'd love nothing better oh, yeah. than to have met our numbers. <coughs> Go ahead, Mr. McCarthy. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Manning, you mentioned um, uh, the number of units. Um, I think you said like 930 um, would, would, would have to be within that half mile. Is that what you said was the final? Um, let me get you the number there. 1,490. That's the final number that would be, have to be in That's within. our understanding. What happened was that um, the state changed the measurement. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, that's the number that we understand according to the state formula where we have to be at. Um, you know, we've looked at a number of different things because we're dealing with the two stations, Canton Junction and Canton Station. There's existing units, and then there's also some zoning in there. So that's our understanding, but we hope, again, to have a firm number with the experts on this committee. And... Um if I understand correctly, the, this committee will make a presentation to the select board, and it is my understanding also that the select board does not have to accept funds from the state. In other words, we can say no to any of these proposed potential changes 
and not and then then at a later date not accept any funds because they, they, it's, it's a bait and yeah you know they're, they're they're throwing money saying if you do this we'll give you this or we'll give you something towards yes. something else um, it, i'm assuming that that decision still hasn't been made at the select board level to accept or not accept um being at the select board meeting last night, my understanding and them discussing it was they'd like some more information. They've appointed this committee to take it under advisement. And I know that several members would like to see an interim report presented by the deadline. Yeah. My understanding is that the town was the recipient of a grant for work that was done on the Ponset Street. I believe yes, it was around 80,000. Yeah, I think it was, it was a quarter of a million, I thought, I thought 225 maybe. Right. right, so that's one of the programs that um, the state is saying that um, if the if towns, again, it's not just Canton, there's 175, right? right? So you can imagine the angst of everybody. The, the state fund is um, hundreds of millions of dollars. And it, you know, again, it's serving all those municipalities. Yeah. So I think the select board's comments were they'd like to keep their options open. They would like Canton to not be excluded because some of those funds have been so well received, I think, as this board knows. So um, I think they'd like this committee to, to get a report together by the deadline. Certainly the Paul Revere Heritage Site is going to help the town on those numbers that that clearly yes. that's going to that clearly falls within the half mile and will help us but but unfortunately because there is over 55 in there that that takes away some of it it has to be not age restricted yeah, yeah. Be, but a half mile even from even from uh, canton center um uh is, is reasonably significant having said that it, you still have to tally the numbers um it is also my understanding just so people understand at least i'm if i'm correct incorrect please say so the town just has to move forward with making zoning changes. That Correct. doesn't mean that that there's a developer set to go do something. It's it's, it's prepared, and some of our area already will comply with some of the zoning requirements or suggestions that they're that they're making at the state level. Correct. Um, I know from my years living in town, periodically you hear some members that are that are uh, of authority say that the 128 station is considered Canton as well. You are very careful to say two stations, yet you often hear them say three stations. So I'm assuming the 128 station is technically not part of the calculations because <clears throat> a half a mile from there is a whole different ballgame. My understanding is that's Westwood. Yeah. I would want to make sure that we're, we're marching in that right direction because as I've said, I've heard people at very high levels in town say that 128 is 100% Canton and Westwood, and then and you were very careful to make sure that you said just those two. So I just want to make sure that before we... That's a good point. We can clarify that as part of this committee's work. My understanding is the state has identified those two within the confines of Canton, yeah. but we can, this committee will clarify that and when we report back. Um, it wouldn't make us an adjacent community also, would it? No, because we have the two existing stations. We've already been classified a commuter uh, station. That's it. And Westwood actually has the same goals as ours. So I was on a call uh, last week um, <clears throat> with municipalities. 
Um, Walpole was on, Dedham was on, Nord was on, Needham was on, we were on. Um, and municipalities are at different levels. Westwood and Dedham are both working on a plan. Needham is looking at some zoning changes for their town meeting. Yep. Some municipalities haven't done anything. Some yeah, municipalities don't want to participate. Yeah, there's plenty that are saying that they're yes. not going to participate. And some of them, you know. Yeah. But I think it's it's the boards, from what I heard last night, the board would like this committee's feedback um, in the next 60 days on how to best proceed. Awesome. Thank you very much, Mr. Sure. Mayor. Joe, did you have any questions on the matter? No, I didn't. I don't know if anybody wanted to make a motion or come forward and nominate somebody to be on the committee. I'll do it if nobody wants to do it. I'm in the middle of the zone. Okay. So. Yeah, that'd be good, so, probably a good committee, right? Um, so um, I make a motion that we accept Jim as our representative from the planning board. I'll second. David? Aye. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Jim? Aye. And I'm an I. So Jim will be our representative. Thank you. Thank you, Gene. Well, appreciate your time tonight. Appreciate you including me in the agenda. Look forward to working with you all. And, um, you know, if I can assist, uh, we'll report through Jim back to you all on our uh, moving forward. But appreciate your support moving forward. Thank you, Gene. Thank, Thank you. You. you too. Thanks. All righty. Like to make a motion that we open item number one, the reserve still water. Can I get a second? I'll second. David? Aye. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Good evening, Brian. How are you tonight? Hi. Good good evening. Thank you for having me here tonight. Um, so we since since the last meeting, we've continued with our work at the site. We had a site walkthrough this past Friday. And prior to the Friday site meeting, we also had met with Ed Walsh and we walked the trails and we agreed on how the ADA surfacing would be done. And so that was, I think, what the board wanted to see accomplished before we met again and worked towards that lot release. And so I, I didn't know if there was any specific questions but we're pushing ahead we're planning to pave phase one later this month so that'll be about the first 1500 feet of road phase one will be taught paved and we're pushing ahead with the street trees did you i know we'd, we'd discussed it at the site walk um did you want to present any information about the trees since you had an issue yeah so, so the september 7th meeting we agreed we'd Go ahead with the red maple. Uh, some of the trees that were on the approved plant set, they've, they're no longer in the current regulations, and we've also had challenges with um, sourcing the, the pear and cherry trees, so we'd like to supersede that with what's in the current regulations. And so what we've, we'll definitely have the red maple. Uh, we were proposing a white oak, which is readily sourceable and another one that I had been able to find readily available was the Tapello. I don't have a lot of experience with it but it's it's in your your list I didn't know if there was a preference on any other trees that are on your list and we can you know, go with what you'd like but we were definitely wanted to do the red maple we previously went over 
the white oak, and there's some others listed here that, um, you know, for example, the pin oak, the red oak. Um, I didn't know if you had a preference. Well, we all know I love red maples. So. <laughs> and you've got those, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah, as long as you take from that list, you know, I'm okay. Okay, and, and we'll stay consistent with the three that we choose because there's three right. on the approved plans. Right. And we'll so. stagger them exactly the way it is on the Well, we do need, plans. need to make a motion since this is a modification to the plan in reference to what trees that we're going to be changing out. So the trees that we're going to be changing out were, the, were pear, and I'm sorry, the second tree was? It was uh, pear, cherry, and linden. Linden was the previous meeting, so this, this would be to change out the pear and the cherry. I'd rather have maples and oaks anyway, really. I'm, ag I'm, agree I'm agree. agreeing with that. They're better trees, I think. So would anybody like to make a motion to, yeah. about the modification? Um, I'd like to make a modification. We'd like to make a modification um, to change the trees to red maple, white oak, and... Oh, hold on. Yep. Just to be procedurally correct, it's probably proper first to have a motion finding that this is a minor modification okay. of the subdivision not requiring a public hearing. Thank you. So I'll make a motion that we're making a minor modification to the plan to discuss and to change out trees currently listed on the site plan that's been approved. I'll second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank you, Tom. Kathy, you want to make your motion? Now we're doing that. Okay. Thank so we're going to make a motion to, um, if, to accept changing to red maple, white oak, and... Tupelo is on the list. Tupelo, what? Or yeah. if there is another tree on the approved. Yeah, or and a tree on the list. We'll stay consistent. Right. Okay, in lieu of the um, linden, cherry, and pear, and pear trees. When you say consistent, what do you mean by consistent? So, for example, this fall, out of 150 trees, we're planning to put yep. 50. So we'll stay with those same three species and the same staggering that's yeah, like on the approved be, plan as we continue to build up the project. There won't be a hodgepodge of 50 different trees. It, we without, the, without the plans, we, can't, we don't know that. So I just want to make sure that... Yeah, so, so on the plans, there's an A, a B, and a C, yeah. three trees. So we'll, whatever we pick for A, we'll stay with A. What we pick for B, we'll stay with B and C. So when we get to latter stages of the job, we'll continue with the same, same pattern. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so I made the motion. I'll second it. David? Aye. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. And on to discussion about releasing the lot. Is that, I, we wanted us to discuss that. Yeah, lot, lot 14. Um, so we've, we've continued with work. We had some paving that we recently did to resolve a, a utility conflict. So that was accomplished. We did the work with the trails. We had that site walk in our so, site walk through this past Friday. So I'm happy to answer any questions and we're, we're proceeding to finish the job as soon as we can. 
I thought, so Tom did a cost to complete, so that bond is still in place for that Yeah, that, that was Well, there, there's actually more. It could be reduced to this amount or another, another amount that the board might choose, but uh, there's actually more money on deposit right now than in our cost to complete, so. So I'm okay if we keep the bond where it is in releasing that lot. Bit too much. I, I would. I know we've had a flurry of emails on Mr. Houston's report that came through, and I certainly read through. I'm going to say most, if not all, because I certainly could miss something when, right. when we're getting emails in. Um, uh, and I know you did a site walk, so I guess I'm just looking at the people that did the site walk to say what you saw and what you heard and so forth is what we're wrapping up towards. Because I've certainly been one of the people opposed to the lot release. <laughs> based on the lack of trees and the lack of paving that they are supposed to have had done. Well, I'm going to defer to Mr. Houston about his feelings about what we saw. I, I thought it, everything's, there were concerns about the catch basins, I think. Um, I mean, the primary focus of the site walk was actually the trails, but in the course of doing that, we sort of ended up walking a good deal of the distance along um, uh, Stillwater Road. So and and. In addition, uh, one of our staff members has been observing construction throughout. So uh, we have no issues with the quality of construction to date. Uh, the industrial drive drainage is wrapped up. That little, the problem, the conflicts they had up there by uh, uh, Dalebrook uh, cul-de-sac those utility changes have been made now uh you know it's up to the board how you regard work that is not yet complete for example a placement of top course and trees and that type of thing but in terms of uh <clears throat> completion of the utility infrastructure uh, and the surface of the roads uh, i don't think there's a problem with that so. We don't, they still don't have a second coat on the main road, is that correct? They do not have a, a top course on the main road or anywhere, and uh, I believe the sidewalk top course is not in place either. And, and that remains a requirement of our, of our bylaws. That is correct. I know Ed was talking to him about his, spoke with you so as the, well. So the, the reason we don't have the top course in phase one is because we're building that corner lot still. So that's wrapping up and we're putting that top course down this month. It's on the schedule for the week of the 24th. Entertain a motion if anybody has one about releasing. I, I still, I remain, I, I personally, whatever the motion, if there's a motion made to release, I, I'll still be the no vote because we, I could not be more clear that we have too many streets in the town. We, we have given a little bit of leeway and then been taken advantage of. And I recognize the Toll Brothers continues to say that's not us, but we have yeah, a lot no, of homeowners on that always, street. We always move forward in good faith. We have the bond. We always Every developer has said that to us. Mr. Amory, did you have a comment to make? I was wondering if um, the reserve still water, whether that's a development that's adjacent to Revolution Way. No. no. This is off Indian okay. Lane. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention to the board that uh, there are people that live on Tucker Road that are concerned, and I've spoken with Brian about um, the fact that, that there's patching still going on in the pri private portions of it. 
because of if they we end up deciding that they're going to put possible boulders as opposed to putting larger trees down there yeah, they're going to have to drive over it and tear it all up again so instead of having them repave that portion they would fix it after the boulders were um, actually put in place if that was something that everybody was amenable we would have to vote on another modification to add that this would be over on the Tucker Road side where there was going to be parking anybody have any questions on well I would rather wait until these trees are up. Yeah, the Tucker Road is a separate thing, I think. But, yes. but so the, the, the Tucker Road is a private road. Half of it's private, half of it's public. Right. <laughs> the portion that we're talking about is the private end of it. Right. Um, um, and, and, and Toll Brothers has used an, a legal access to it, but it appears that there's been some damage to the road over the over the period of time. So you're more privy to that because I wasn't aware that they had negotiated anything on that. Well, last July we had a discussion in the board yeah. meeting, and I, that's why the minutes sent to yeah. you guys just to re reiterate what, what he discussed with Mr. Michelli and the fact that I know Ms. Dietz had, been, had also discussed the fact that there would be repairs and, and fixing done in certain areas. Unfortunately, we don't have purview over town roads, so we can't recommend necessarily any sort of fixes to that. That's up to the select board and DPW, but the area that we can address is the private section. So that was just a concern that wanted to, I wanted to make sure it was on the record again. And Brian's aware uh, of it. That work would happen in the spring. Yes, that's what I thought would, would be the case. So you said the top coat's about a month? It, it's later this month. Yeah, we're, we're, we're held up because we have a house under construction with heavy equipment. So. Right. But, see, but the problem is that's your choice. You guys have made a decision. You could have paved a good portion of that road and come back and patch that one section. It, it would be awkward, but you, you, you could can do it. anything. It would, you could have done it. It's, it's and that's why I, I have such difficulty on this. I, I really do. I genuinely but do. But isn't it better to have, like, why are we patching a new road? Yeah, we, we, nor we normally like, try I to just, do it all at once so there's no seam. I just feel it's, like it's better to get it all done and done right than to come back and try to fix it. I don't know. It's just me. It's just personal. I, I understand that philosophy because I say it all the time. You see them pave Washington Street and then they dig up because somebody got a gas line. And then they're patching it and it's but always that, a problem. Toll Brothers made a decision to build that house last. They could have built that house first right. and then paved the road. I have a problem personally and professionally as a planning board member of us releasing lots when the developer hasn't complied with what they've known all along as our bylaws. No, They're asking us that. to give them another foot and another foot and another foot. And I just don't like that. So, as I said, we can, we can vote. And that's not, you, you guys know, I want the development done. I want the development done. But we've got street after street after street in this town that is not done because we gave the developer, we as the planning board, not we as in this four of us or the five of us. Right, right. Because that's not the case. But the planning board has at some point given a developer leeway, and now we have streets where the homeowners blame the planning board that the street is undone, and, and then when they go to get their mailbox repaired after a snowstorm, it can't get repaired because it's over the budget, blah, 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 blah. My point is, I just don't think we should do yet another exception. Joe, do you have any comments? Uh, I feel the same way as uh, Mr. McCarthy. 
Jim? He changed my mind. <laughs> I'm still a yes. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we appreciate your consideration. I mean, the, the sooner we can get that last foundation in, the sooner we'll be done with that road, too. I mean, every, every, every day we can make progress, we'd like to. And I want to say you guys have said that the last two times you've come in here. <laughs> so it's not like you haven't been saying we're going to get that foundation and we're going to get it done. No, it's, it's, it's done, but it's, we want the heavy equipment off. We don't want to damage the new pavement. So we're, we're doing it in the, the normal sequence that you'd follow. Would anybody like to make a motion? Or do you want to make a motion to move it to the November meeting? when we believe the top the cap coat will be done i would i would look at the toll representative to say when they think they can have it done i mean if you if you can have it done in two weeks vote on it in two weeks <laughs> honestly I, it's not a matter of yeah you know, we're on we're on a schedule we're also tied by availability of workers so we we have a date locked in the week of the 24th so that's after the meeting mm-hmm. so the first one in the first one in november i'm happy to be the first one in november so um Make a motion that we move our decision to release the lot to the first weekend in no first week in November, which I believe is that the second, Karen. And that gives I, I, I'm going to second that motion, and I just want to look at Mr. Houston if you could remind us of the date that the last time they can pave on the calendar. That well, the rule. <laughs> yeah, the rule is November fifteenth, but they can get exceptions depending upon the weather. I. I have some concerns about that. If you want to pave on the 16th, yes, or whatever. Um, the problem becomes that the real issue is that the subgrade should be 40 degrees and rising. Right. And typically a paving firm will want to come in at 7 o'clock in the morning and start paving, and the subgrade is not going to be 40 degrees. So, you know, if you can get a paving firm to come in midday. Uh, it's very difficult though, because even if you have a, a forecast for warm weather, you get out there and it's cold. There are 20 trucks full of mix and 30 people on the site waiting to work. It's difficult to say go home, you can't do it. I mean, it's, it's problematic. So we should sort of shoot for the 15th or a day or two within that you shouldn't be doing it as some subdivisions have been done in early to late December. So. Well, our next meeting is November 2nd, is that what we're thinking? Oh. Yeah. If we don't have a quorum for the 19th, yeah. yes, yeah. that would be the yeah. case. Yeah. So we're, um, we're, we're 10 days away on our So our we'd make a decision on November 2nd then. So I'll make a motion that we just table this till December, uh, to November 2nd, pardon me, not December. <laughs> second. No. second, I'll second that motion. Kathy. Uh, aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. And we can also discuss then uh, reducing the bond as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. appreciate it. Is there Madam, Thank Madam you. Chair? Yes. Do we, do we want to discuss the alternative that has been developed of allowing the former parking area to naturalize as opposed to spreading loam, planting trees, uh, hydro-seeding woody mix. Uh, the recommendation of the conservation agent who's done a lot of site restoration is to allow the area to naturalize. If you go out there, 
it's starting to happen, this substantial herbaceous growth out there. The concern she has, though, is that there are non-native invasive species that are taking root there. So what has been suggested uh, is to have Toll Brothers employ their uh, wetland ecologist, who also has knowledge of upland vegetation, to go in there and develop a program for physically removing the invasives by pulling them. Now, I don't know the mechanics of that. I've weeded little tiny gardens that are 10 by 15 and it takes hours. This is a couple of acres. And how, because I think the person pulling the weeds would have to know what should be removed and what should remain, which means you have fairly knowledgeable, educated people out there for an extended period doing manual labor. So that's the current proposal. And also, the other issue is that the trees and shrubs would have sort of precluded vehicular access. And in lieu of that, as the chair mentioned, uh, the current thought is to replace boulders that are elsewhere on the site such that they form a barrier at least to automobile entry. You probably can't do much with ATVs and that type of thing, but at least provide discouragement for vehicles to enter there. So that question is before the planning board, I believe. Toll Brothers is willing to explore doing that, but maybe we should discuss whether that is, whether the board is interested in pursuing that route as opposed to the current plan that's actually been before us, maybe even approved, that had a more construction intensive approach, plant all kinds of things there. The issue being you can plant them, but without a ready source of water, they may not survive. Can I ask a, qu a question that's probably not, I mean, I haven't driven down Tucker Road. What are the boulders, is there a road down there? There's a driveway, and there's an open space to where the parking should be. Where the, the Tucker Road ends, and there's a driveway there, partially owned, owned uh, or utilized by the residents, one resident off Village Gate, as well as those that live off Tucker. And the, the area beyond that has been cleared, and the concern is that people will utilize it with ATVs and, and uh, dirt bikes. We'd be able to block it off, have them put boulders in place instead. The concern is, of course, they're, they are disturbing the soil, caught, and we have right. a heavy rain, and of course, having it's supposed to be like, part of that trail system that we right. that we then said they came to us and said we, it's more difficult. We don't really can't do the trail system. Can we go a different route? And we agreed to the different route. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly. It's a, but this is not conservation area. This is Regan's suggestion, right? The only reason why I'm asking there, is I'd love to two, say there's two realities. One is that there, is, there are wetlands and buffer zones within right. this area. Right. I think typically the planning board would defer to CONCOM on that. Right. But there's an even more substantial area of upland that's contiguous to that. And that's sort of within the planning board. And that's the area that's been cleared. Yes. So, so first of all, I love the idea of removing some of the invasive species. Clearly I do that. Um, I don't have much of a I don't have an issue with having walked that site a few times to the concept of putting some boulders down there because I can appreciate what the people down there are, are potentially thinking could happen. And whether it happens or not, we don't know, but certainly I can appreciate 
their concern on that as far as people trying to get onto the property from that angle. Having said that, it's a pretty wide open area and I recognize that there's some species that are already growing, but they're not going to be, um, I'm forgetting the word, naturalized to, to Massachusetts climate. You know, they're, they're, they're gonna be weed trees that have fallen off of something else that are growing versus us saying we want to see 20 blank trees planted in that strip. And so the, and that- the Yeah, and the difficulty, which Regan's already seen, unfortunately, is when they planted the trees because we had the drought, right. the accessibility to water it really is not there for that location specifically. They tried to plant any trees. They don't have anybody to go there every day yeah, for a month. It, it, sure, but that's Toll Brothers' responsibility to water the trees. I mean, they, this is part of their responsibility. You don't but just, weren't we upset that they were, the select board didn't want them watering their stuff in the drought? That, no one said the water had to come from, it wasn't the select board, it was the state who said that. Um, but it, it doesn't have to come from the town water supply. It can come from a, a truck, just like you bring in water. Places have been doing that for decades. You bring in, you bring in equipment to water, water trees. So I, I'm, I'm more inclined that something get planted in there, but I understand what Regan is saying, and I'm, and I'm inclined to defer to her expertise because that's her skill. But, but the idea that having walked that thing, that space, and know how large it is, we're not talking about you know, this room. We're talking about this room four times the width and a long distance. The front of the high school, pretty much. All right, so, Twice. so I just have, you know, thinking that they could plant something in there to make it. Mm, yeah, I agree. And have them be, you know, things that grow in New England. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word. I'm native. Sorry. Native. Native, native not invasive. <laughs> Thank yes. <you>. Yes. <laughs> as, as listed in our subdivision right. rules and regulations. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and hopefully there won't be a drought next year. And they'll just grow. Yeah, there's, there's no access. It's, it's all hands. Labor trying to get in there. Yes, and Toll Brothers did the plan and knew, I mean, they were supposed to plant that. So we're not, we're, we're you, you guys are, anyways. No, I know they did some planting. No, they was, did it, some. Was, it was held up for a reason. I don't, I don't know all the details. Yeah. No, it, and the reason I think is legitimate, don't get me wrong, but the original plan had a lot of landscaping back there. So for us to act like, oh, landscaping's pain, no, yeah. that was the original plan. That was the original plan, it was right. a pathway. So, I, I mean, I don't think we answered the question as much as... <laughs> Miss Mr. As, Houston presented. <laughs> as, as, as much as... I, I, Regan's point is extremely well taken. I mean, that's her expertise. However, you know, it just feels like there should be something planted back there. Oh, I, yeah, they need to plant something. I'm just saying that. I'm not sure that bringing water trucks in is... Water trucks is my only concern because of Tucker Road. That's the only Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't, we can't have everything. But yeah, I agree we need more trees. They should plant some. Mr. Houston, you're looking, are you looking for a specific motion? No. Nope. I just wanted to, uh, we sent a very short email, but I just wanted to call the board's attention to the fact that the question has been raised, should we implement the plan that was previously presented and may have been previously approved? Yeah which was a planting intensive, right. spread loam, plant trees, do a woody mix, uh, hydro seed. It was yeah. uh, construction intensive. 
Reagan is saying just leave it alone and pull the invasives. The cost of all that is several tens of thousands of dollars. I forget what it was, probably 50, 60. So you can do a lot of weed pulling for that amount of dollars. But um, I wouldn't <coughs> diminish the significance of that as a task. I don't know where it's actually been done, uh, where you bring people in and try to remove invasives. That's, as I say, it needs to be done by somebody who recognizes what's invasive and what isn't a certain educational and training level, so I don't know. It is done. I mean, it's, that, that's a pretty, you hear, you hear uh, the state doing it in parts of reservations that they own, and you hear towns doing it, so it's not like it's an, un, a foreign thing to be done. Might not be native to that property. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm very much in favor of not having to go through the exercise of what they were initially planned. I, we've, I think we've all said that all along. Jim, this was discussed, I think, before you got on the board. You know, that we were like, yeah, we, we, we recognize that that was an overthink. Nobody, nobody realized how difficult of an area it was to get to. Nobody realized how remote it was, all that stuff. And none of the abutters ever attended any of the hearings to right. say, you're right in our backyard. And then when they started it, we put a pause on it saying, but I just don't think, personally, I don't like the idea of leaving it to naturalize. Well, I, we did, I did have four or two, the board members um, from Jim, Manginello, I believe his name is. I forget. Forgive me if I'm, I mispronounce it. Yeah, he's um, one of our consultants. That uh, the play was a plan for the buffer and the plan for the plants, and wanted to see if, if everybody was okay with that particular proposition uh, for plantings. I didn't know, Mr. Houston, what you felt about that as well. Well, that that's um, you know the opposite of Reagan's recommendation. That's implementing the plan they originally had. The you can go kind of halfway. I, I think Mr. McCarthy suggested maybe focus on the trees and maybe not do some of the loaming, because loaming has another issue. It brings in seeds with the loam. If I was one of the residents that lived on Tucker, what I would be saying is, give me the boulders and give me trees on the other side of those boulders right. so that you create a screening. Otherwise, you've got, you know, people just gonna think that, as they said, we can get down there. I haven't been down there in a while, probably at all this year, um, or if it was, it was in the spring when, right. we, when we walked it once. Um, uh, but it is a large area, and, it, and the idea of leaving it vacant just seems odd, really inappropriate. So in reference to what, what there was um, 32 plants proposed, would it be possible instead for uh, Jim, to come up with a plan for tr specifically for trees that we could have planted in with the boulders instead and possibly do the seed mix as well. Yeah, I can talk about it, work with, work with Tom and others on. You, you're going you to have to bring in water, though. You've got to do that on some kind of a vehicle. Maybe you could do it with a smaller vehicle, like a pickup size thing or something, but there is an issue with bringing water in. So. And that's going to create a road. Yeah, yes, but it's, exactly. It's like, it, like it, they're going to be driving these, down it. these tracks don't have to be 18 wheelers. <laughs> I mean, well, that's my concern. Yeah. They don't have to be 18. Well, some wheelers. water trucks are pretty yeah. big, but yes. Yeah, but you see, we can also just fill up some watering cans and a. You can drive. You can drive through town after town where they are watering off of a truck. We're, 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 oh, I've seen them in Randolph, but they do it on main streets. I mean, they're not. That is not a big truck. So. It's a critical area. <laughs> well, it's not a big truck. 
No. So I'm getting the impression that we're not going to come up with an answer for this tonight. No, but maybe we should think about it. Well, if he came back with a, a, a significantly a re a reduced planting, I, I mean, I'd be game for that. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think that leaving it. No, I agree, and, and, and a bolder plan too. Yeah, and I, I agree with Regan's philosophy of do something with some of the invasive, whatever the invasive is that's growing over there. Could be knotweed. It could be grape. It's right. awful. It could I, be poison ivy. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. awful. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll regroup. Sounds good. Great. Joe, did you have any comments or questions? Not right now. Okay. Thank you. Anything else we want to discuss about here? Anybody from the audience here to discuss uh, still water for the preserve this evening? No? Mr. Houston, do you have any other comments to, to make? Well, I make a motion we table this item to November 2nd and just continue discussion for the lot release. Can I get a second? I'll second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank you, Brian. We'll work, hopefully work with you and figure out a plan for the plantings. So, and Thank the you. boulders. Thank you. We appreciate right. you coming in and the site walk. Thank you very much for your help with that as well. Good luck. We'll see you again soon. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> I'd like to make a motion that we open item number two, Canton Holdings. I'll second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Mr. Plant, is he here? I don't see Mr. Plant. He said he wasn't going to attend in the meeting. He, in his email, he said he was not able to attend, and he hoped that we would pass this with Without swift here? action. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are asking for us to release the bond. We've received feedback um, that everything with conservation concerns were met. I didn't know, if Mr. Houston, if you had any comments on the matter as well. Uh, <clears throat> no, not really. Uh, the normal process is that we actually do the final inspection of sites. In this instance, because it's kind of a special project, the town engineering department did the final inspections of the work as completed and we did receive input from Lisa and from the Department of Public Works that the work was done to their satisfaction. So, and I just have a question because so th this is this still another bond on file? Because don't they have two more buildings to do? There are not the planning board only bonds the street, the Conservation Commission has various bonds, and I'm not familiar with what they are, but they are holding bonds to ensure the completion of wetland-related restoration. So like not any more street work that needs to be done with the new building, so everything's done. Everything except Revolution Way is a private site, so that would not be part of the planning board bonding right. process. Right, Revolution Way is the only piece. Based on what we asked them to do, and they have done, I am fully in favor of releasing the bond at this point. So I'd entertain a motion that we release. A motion that we release the bond. For $540? May, may I mention something? Oh, certainly, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, now this bond, uh, is it, uh, it's just for the road only. That's correct, right. and it's met the standards according to DPW 
um, and it's met the standards and con the areas that conservation we're concerned about are all uh, that. Yeah, uh, I, I took a look at the, the um, uh, Conservation Commission, and she specifically said it's for the road only, not anything else. So, yeah. Sure. yeah, that's all I wanted to make sure too before we. Right. Make all the, like I said, all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, make sure we right. covered everything we need to cover. Okay. So, David, I'm Our sorry scope. for interrupting. That's all right. Our scope was very, I just couldn't remember the exact dollar amount. So, my motion is to release the bond in the amount of $540,000. It's even, correct? It's if I remember correctly, $540,000, even as requested by Mr. Plant. I'll second. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. <coughs> Aye. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an I, so we will release the $540,000 back to Canton Holdings LLC. I know we have a letter ready. I'll sign it tonight. Thank you. On to item number three. I'd like to make a motion that we open... 1545 Dan Row, carport project, proposing to construct two carport solar PV structures. I'll second. David? Aye. Jim? Aye. Joe? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. Good evening. If you could identify yourselves. Uh, hi, my name is Daniel Serber. I'm the director of development with NextGrid Inc. Um, with me is uh, Melinda Castillo from Weston and Sampson. She's the civil engineer on the project. Um, so. I'm here to introduce a solar carport project uh, located at 45 Dan. Um, this is at an existing office building. We're proposing the project uh, um, two long span carport, car uh, I'm sorry, carport structures. Um, these structures will have a vehicle clearance in line with major highway guidelines, uh, I'm sorry, mass DOT guidelines of 15 feet uh, with a max height of 17 feet. Uh, the structures will be flat, so they won't have any decking under them. Um, so there will be gaps between all the panels to allow for the free flow of uh, water. Um, so we're not going to have any effect on the existing storm water on site. Uh, the system will uh, generate power, which will be collected at uh, the equipment pad, which will consist of combiner boxes, switch gears, and pad-mounted inverters, uh, as well as a battery storage system. Um, there are no residential abutters here on the site, um, and there's a substantial wooded buffer uh, along this portion of Dan Road. Um, the system won't be able to be seen from the street, and because we are proposing the system to be completely flat, uh, there's not going to be any uh, glare issues that we can foresee. Um, the piers we are proposing, the parking lot, um, are going to be installed with spread footings. Um, so what you would normally uh, see on a carport structure might be a big round uh, cylinder pier. Um, we're proposing uh, uh, the, the spread footings, which is four feet deep, very wide concrete footings that are flush with the existing parking lot. Um, we're planning the piers to be on the front ends of the parking, or sorry, at the corners of the various parking spots to not uh, impact any parking whatsoever. Um, so we are not going to have any impact on the parking. Again, we're going to have no visual impact. Um, we're going to have no storm water impact, no sound impact, and we're generating clean energy um, on site without affecting the underlying use. Um, the last thing I'd like to address before I hand this over to Melinda um, is that there was a recent application for a flex warehouse on the property. 
Um, we had a contract with the current landowners for the last two years. Uh, we submitted this project to Eversource on December 15th of 2020, um, and we received a final impact study um, with favorable results on June 22nd of this year. Um, that's when we started this permit process. Um, so I just want to make sure the board understands that um, the timing of this was completely dictated by our uh, Eversource uh, contracts, and there was no strategy of uh, permitting this directly after the flex structure. Um, and we actually found out from the town, not the landowner, that the flex warehouse was even being permitted. Um, we've sin since been able to talk to the, the owners of the flex warehouse or the, the construction of the flex warehouse and the owners of the company and get online. Um, and, and now we're on the same page as far as construction and, and uh, other activities that will be going on on site. Um, so I'm gonna hand this over to Melinda at this point. Uh, she's going to give a brief overview of our response to the peer review letter, and then if it pleases the board, we'll just open it up for questions. And you do have boards you'd like to show us as well, so we could see some more information as well. Right, yeah, I can put that up. Do you mind putting that up? Yeah, you um, So thank you, Daniel. Daniel, um, as he mentioned, we received a peer review letter from Mr. Thomas Houston um, with Professional Services Corporation. Um, so I'd just like to take a couple moments to go through our high-level responses. Um, to his letter. Um, he separated it within three different um, categories, the first being off-street parking. Um, Daniel gave a um, gave an overview of what the foundations are going to be for this project and they will be spread footings below grade. So there are no negative, following construction, there are no negative impacts to the space count at the parking lot. Um, the parking lot will be repaved after um, improvements are done to the lot and um, the parking lot will be restriped. Um, he, Mr. Thomas Houston made some um, recommendations for our uh, details for how we would do pavement repairs, uh, taking out the tack coat and we are um, amenable to this so we can revise our, tack, our pavement repair detail to remove that um, tack coat. Um, he also made a suggestion that we include saw cutting um, for the areas that we will be impacting the uh, parking lot and we will also are in agreement with this comment and can update the plans to include saw cutting. And then following construction there will be um, inspections with the contractor and the site owner to go through and um, approve all of the areas of repairs for the parking lot and the contractor won't leave until um, get final completion until the parking lot is acceptable to the owner. Um, so that addresses um, our high-level responses to the parking impacts. Next were the stormwater um, comments. So um, just to go in a little bit more detail from the overview that Daniel gave, the proposed project is in an existing impervious parking lot, and our, our project is um, just installing impervious within the impervious area. The carport is above ground um, surface, and the runoff from the panels, there's no decking, so the runoff from the panels will just um, drain onto the cars and the parking surface. Um, there's an existing catch basin and drainage network within the parking lot that discharges to a detention basin in the northwest corner of the parking lot. Um, so all the stormwater will be captured within that existing network and um, discharged to that basin. There's no change in peak runoff um, from the project and there's no increase in total suspended solids either. Um, 
Um, he had a comment, a very good comment, about um, management of snow um, on the panels on the roof. Um, sometimes the carport structures are, have a really steep pitch roof and um, with the material of the panels, it can be really slippery for ice and um, snow melt in the winter. Um, the next grid does propose to install snow guards um, and basically they'll be mounted throughout the top of the array and the design intent of them is to kind of hold the snow and the ice in place and it melts um, uniformly and just will drain um, in between all of the panels and not prevent these big um, walls of ice falling down into the parking lot. Um, so those will be installed um, on the carport structures. And then he had a comment about stockpile management during construction, um, just requesting that all stockpiles be stabilized or covered within 72 hours of use. Um, and we can update our detail um, in our site plans to um, just make clear of that requirement. Um, and he also had a comment to replace sediment barriers with compost stock, and that is also acceptable, and we can make that modification on our plans. Um, the next comment um, related to stormwater was refueling of vehicles on site, um, asking that that is prohibited, um, which we will not be able to um, amend by. Construction vehicles need to be refueled on site. Um, there's, there's no way to take them off site um, to get refueled. So what we can do um, is have spill kits on site and absorbent booms, and there can be a dedicated area within the limits of construction for refueling of vehicles. So that's away from catch basin structures and it doesn't go into the detention basin. Um, for just one second. So this is because the size of the structures and the lo how large the equipment is, you can't. Okay. Right, right, exactly. Okay. Yep. Um, and then, so that those were all of his stormwater concerns. The next section was transportation um, and construction management. Um, so Daniel briefly mentioned there's another project going on um, at the project, and um, Mr. Houston um, just requested that coordination be um, managed between the two projects if they do um, go into construction at the same time. And we've been in contact with the Flattery Company, um, and they are aware of both projects and are acceptable to the limits of construction that we show here. Um, our limit of work, our proposed entrance for construction is the western entrance for the lot, and that's currently not used by the property. It's gated off. Um, so there's no impact to the current operations of the existing building to the east side of the site. Um, and also the um, impact to parking within the lot for that building on the east. Um, the, the owner of the lot doesn't have any concerns that it will hinder operations of the building because there's additional surplus at the north of the building and the east of the building that is not currently used. Um, and then the final comment was that there are proposed stockpile management areas for the flex warehouse project within our proposed limits of work um, again we've talked with the um, property owners um, regarding those stockpile areas and if these projects do happen at the same time um, both contractors will work together to make sure that it doesn't impact the project the stockpile areas are outside of the proposed where the arrays are going um, it's going to be kind of to the south of that um, on the most southern area of parking along the curb line. Um, but if they do happen at the same time, both contractors will work together to um, make sure both projects can move forward.
Right. Um, so that kind of summarizes the letter. I'm happy to go into detail on any of the items if you would like. Um, I, have, I just have a general question. In reference to the plan that you're showing there, where the new building is going to be, mm. can you point out where yeah, the sure. warehouse is just yeah. to give a general idea? Before I think, yeah. Yeah, no, I, no, I'm pointing. I think it's on the left. I, I know, hope. but I just want to make sure because. Are we right? Oh, you need the mic. Sorry. Sorry. I should have mentioned that. We forgot. <laughs> no. No, that's oh. okay. Just going forward. Anybody else have any questions on the site? I'm good. Joe, do you have any questions? No, not. David, do you have any comments? No, I don't, ha I don't have any questions. I'm just going to be a wise guy and say I really do wish we could get the crosswalk now. Just teasing. Because uh, that was a uh, issue with the warehouse, the the access to it. But no, I I think the project is perfectly perfectly great. It's a good good use of the good use of the parking lot. Yes, Mr. Houston, do you have any comments on it? Uh, I do. Yes, and um, I think uh, Melinda very accurately summarized our report, so I need not revisit that. The key outstanding issue that was in our report but not really discussed. We're seeking input from the planning board as to the extent of upgrades to the existing site, which should be done uh, in conjunction with this project. This is a major construction project. It requires site plan approval tradition and the way the zoning bylaw is structured and the way land use law is structured in Massachusetts, you can't get site plan approval for part of a site or for a project within a site. You get site plan approval for the site. And what we have here is a site that's probably 30, 40 years old. And a lot of things weren't done then which are now required, probably the key being stormwater management. It is correct to say that there is no measurable impact as a result of putting small panels over the existing parking lot, but there is also no information provided by them or in fact provided by the former project as to the state of the current stormwater management system on the site. Does it have hoods in the catch basins? Does it have any sort of TSS removal devices besides the, the uh, catch basins? I would virtually guarantee it does not. So the question becomes, and this is a ZBA question fundamentally. They have to determine what's appropriate beyond what they're proposing. But I think the ZBA might appreciate the planning board's comments if the planning board is, thinks it appropriate to incorporate some stormwater retrofits as part of this project. Typically, you can do water quality things pretty easily. Uh, for example, if the catch basins don't have hoods, put hoods in the catch basins. 
if there's no TSS removal other than the catch basins, maybe we want either some sort of a uh, uh, siltation, a proprietary device or a basin or whatever to lower the, the uh, TSS loads on the site. Uh, you know, one of the issues, of course, is that the town of Canton, as is all of Massachusetts, current uh, subject to uh, the new uh, NPDES general permit for Massachusetts. And there are guidelines there, for example, uh, on a redevelopment site. This would be a redevelopment site. You're supposed to uh, infiltrate eight tenths of an inch of runoff times the whole site, not just the panel area, but the whole site. That may be something that we should think about as being perhaps too extensive, but maybe at least for the area where the, uh, the panels are, maybe something should be done there. So uh, we mentioned that in our report, but we did not tell them to go out and do something because we're just the consultant. We identify the issue and we're seeking the board's input as to whether you think something uh, in terms of retrofitting the existing stormwater system might be appropriate. And before we can do that, we have to know what the existing stormwater system is, what, what's there in terms of uh, a physical uh, drainage structure system at the point. So that's the question. Is something additional required? Because right now there's no stormwater <coughs> improvements proposed. Uh, would that be something that we would ask them to have assessed uh, by a specialist? Yeah. Well, that, that would be step one. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Go ahead. Melinda is a civil engineer. She's certainly capable of doing that. But, you know, that direction, if that's the direction we want to go, that's direction that should come from the planning board. You know, to say as a matter of policy, we'd like to see something done. And the first step in... Uh, moving in that direction is to find out what's there. Do you have any? I do you have. Yeah, can I can I just provide a response? So we had the opportunity to look at the proposed plans for the Flux Warehouse project, and they are indeed in providing stormwater improvements um, through their conservation commission permit with the the conservation commission. So, like I said, um, they are provide they're proposing two detention basins. They're improving the one on the north, and there's a uh, new uh, detention basin going in on the south, kind of where the existing parking is right now. They're also providing some upgrades to the catch basin network and the drain lines going to those basins um, with the addition of three water quality um, catch basins, right. which are like storm tech. It's, that's a proprietary system, but like a, a storm tech system where it's a, a total sustenance total suspended solids um, removal. So the Mr. Houston, what he was um, saying with the removal credit um, of 0.8 uh, for water quality volume, those would be implemented um, to capture the sediment load from the parking lot. But that's all related to the Flattery project. That's, there's um, increase in previous area and um, there's requirements for the, um, for the stormwater management checklist. Our project, what we're proposing, is a redevelopment project within the existing lot. And like I said earlier, um, our our propose our improvements are within an impervious area, and we're not adding any impervious area to the lot. So, per the Massachusetts checklist, um, under a redevelopment project, 
you're only required to meet um, certain um, items fully and the others to the maximum extent practicable. Um, so the first one is item number one um, where it's untreated discharge and we do not um, have any new untreated discharge um, because there's an existing stormwater catch basin network that goes to a detention basin and as it leads the detention basin all the treatment is provided within the catch basin system and the detention basin. Um, standard eight is the construction erosion and sedimentation control plan which we will have in place during construction. Um, number nine is an O&M manual for any proposed stormwater BMPs um, and we would just comply with the existing um, management that is done for the for the system on site. So we'll have catch basin inlet protection during construction um, to um, limit the load of solids because of construction traffic and but to the, your, your the point, soil. Mr. Houston, is this part of the information we already know or is she going beyond? No, we, 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 we well, it has to be an outlet to the existing system and that's not being replaced because they're not planning to do anything. But I, I guess I would, you know, call attention to the phrase to the maximum extent practicable, it complies with the stormwater standards. And that, the maximum extent practicable is not typically doing nothing. You know, I, I call the board's attention to organogenesis. There was a little bit of new there, but probably 95% was work within the existing parking area and they redid everything. They, they did a complete new stormwater management system. So I, I, that may be a bit extreme here. Yeah. But again, I, I think that something encompassing the work area at least uh, should have some upgrades. I think it needs upgrades just because of the age of the site. Right. But we don't know what the existing, existing system is because no information was provided there's no plans for upgrading it, which is why they didn't plan, they did not provide new information. But uh, I'm just seeking the board's guidance. If we do want them to do something, we can certainly look at what they propose. Right now, nothing is being proposed, and I call that to the board's attention. So, I like so. My feeling is this: I get I get what you're saying, but like these are just like carports, and it's alternative energy, which you know is like a big thing now. So it's like, I don't know, I, if they were putting on an addition or like that new building, when it, you know, that other building when it comes in, I can see doing all that stuff, but for a couple of carports, for some solar energy, so it's kind of hard to be encouraging. We want to encourage companies to do it without putting a huge burden on them. So I don't know, I'm just mixed on it. I, I'm my, my feeling is this is gonna be the second land disturbance of the location. We don't know what's there now for stormwater management or on the site. The site's probably close to 40 years old. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think the concern is if they go to build the site, we don't know where the but specific... But you're talking about the carport section. Yes. Like if they put a carport on a parking lot... But if somehow what is not on the site original site plan from 40 years ago, if they somehow disturb what's there... Everything gets up under. We don't know what the stormwater management is underneath. Once they start digging and putting the pilings in, there's concerns about what's there. That's what I worry about too, Mr. Mr. McCarthy. I essentially agree with you. I would simply say that my experience with Mr. Houston over the five 
plus years. Right. <laughs> he's not an extremist. He is not the guy who's pushing <laughs> pushing to the extreme end. So I would I would ask the the, the, the property owner and the to do some investigative work, allow Mr. Houston to do the investigative work and come back and let us know what's there or not there. Right. Or don't do the project. Well, I want them to do the project. Well, but I don't I know do the I mean, project, is it but how if it's cost money? prohibitive to actually do the, the stormwater management. I mean, it's management. not like they're gaining anything really other than what? Electricity from this? Like, what, what is the, like, what was your purpose in the carport? Gaining electricity. It's an accessory use. Is that it? The like solar. upgrading your electricity? Sure. So, um, kind of yeah. responsible. It's, uh, through the Massachusetts Smart Program, so providing energy to the grid, renewable energy. This is also a low-income community solar project. Um, so this will be providing low-income uh, credits or power credits to low-income households in the area. Right. No, I think it's good. But whatever. There's no change to the stormwater. Um, to the site. I mean, the, the carports are above grade. What runs, if the project wasn't installed, the same runoff would get to your basin, would get into your catch basins, would run off site as if there wasn't, if there was a project here. Um, so I would, if there's any additional questions that you could ask that I could help explain that to you, um, I'd be happy to do so. But the, at the end of the day, what you're going to see in a stormwater report is a net zero pre pre existing conditions what's here now whatever's running off into that basin is what you're going to see in a post design analysis um, I, I often defer, defer to mr houston on this stuff because this is not my expertise and i look at him and go he's recommending that we do something in accordance with what he believes is best practices etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I i i'm going to follow mr houston's lead so i i feel i'm the same way i, I want to have some sort of review of what's there um, so we know if everything's being properly met. Um, not, we're not asking you to, to redo all sewer works or sketch basin works necessarily. There may be issues around the site that need to be upgraded and we don't want to have any issues in the future if from runoff or, or any other issues when you start to put the items in and you find that... We this, don't know the existing conditions. Right. Sorry. We don't know what's in the ground. I mean, DBW may know some of it, but Sometimes things go in the ground that we don't know about, and this has been there for 40 years, and you're disturbing. I know it's only posts in specific locations, but we don't know what's there. So we would like you to, if you could, please do an assessment of the stormwater management that is there and how you can prove, at least in your location. I, I think really what we're looking for is water quality stuff. Right. You're absolutely correct. There's no change in volume of runoff. You don't have to do uh, attenuation of peak rates, but... So as I mentioned, the, the warehouse project that's going in, when they do their stormwater management upgrades, there are three catch basins. We are aware of it. We, we understand that. We, yeah. We, yeah. So, so if it's being done as part of that project, um, I, I don't understand. Because I'm, the second land disturbance of the site, we oh, would, I, I, understand. We would like it. I we understand. But if they're installing those catch basins as part of that project, I'm just struggling to understand what what catch basins we can install on, on top of that. It's kind of, it's, I think we're just asking you structure. to check the water quality of the location, where you're it's putting the posts, where you're going to be disturbing the land, and we want to make sure that everything, we don't want to have any issues in the future. If there's runoff or there's somehow you, when you go to actually put the structures in, you've disturbed the land or disturbed the sewers or whatever catch basins are there, we want to make sure nothing is disturbed that's going to cause any future problems too. Oh. 
or maybe the warehouse, the people doing the warehouse have already done a study and you could submit that or wait until they're yeah. done with the warehouse and do your project. I would refer to Mr. Houston to specifics because I don't know the specifics, but yeah, neither do I. The, the, the warehouse was done to current standards okay. because to a substantial extent, the work was in an undeveloped portion of the Correct. site. Right. So that's all up to current standards. There was an overlap into the existing parking area where several of the catch basins were redirected. I guess if I were to uh, set the parameters, it might be appropriate to look at the two acres underneath the solar panels. They're 1.8 acres and whatever's around. So it's probably about a two acre portion of the site. Some portion of that may be uh, and I think it is within the area improved by the, uh, uh, the Flex Warehouse. And you don't have to redo that, but if there's some additional things that can be done, that's, that's fine. Uh, so I, I think you should look at the stormwater system in that part of the site and find out what kind of treatment, if any, the stormwater is getting. And if it's none, then it might be appropriate to think about some pretty minor upgrades. I mean, the cost of putting hoods in the catch basins are probably less costly than the time we're spending discussing it. It's pretty minor, minor stuff minor. for hoods and catch basins. And if that's your proposal, it's better than what's being proposed now, which is nothing. And we don't expect you to redevelop the whole site. That's <laughs> not at all where we're... we're sure just concerned that we want to make sure that there's no issues. Because we don't know what's there, <laughs> quite frankly. So do we want to continue this? November yeah. 2nd would be a good, uh, not the next, but the one after on November 2nd would be a good hearing. Certainly. Was there anybody from the audience that had any comments about? No. Wonderful. Okay. So I'll make a motion that we continue this on November 2nd. No, the one after November 2nd. No, November yeah, 2nd. November 2nd. November 2nd, not the 19th. Oh, yeah. I thought he wanted more time. I no. don't know. I'll second it. Yes, it will be a Zoom meeting, by the way. We will be having November 2nd will be a Zoom meeting, so we'll send you a link for that. Since, um, because there's going to be voting here at the town hall, so <laughs> the space won't be available, which is great. Everybody vote, please. Um, <laughs> I like Zoom meetings, so. So we'll be doing it as Zoom. We'll be doing virtual. So I'll make, I'll make a motion that we continue this to November 2nd. Can I get a second? I'll second. Jim second. Second. Jim? Uh, Kathy? Aye. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. David? Aye. And I'm an aye. We'll see you back here on the second. And if there's any concerns, just let Karen Linda, know if you if have to move. You, please feel free to email, email or call, whatever, if you have sure. some ideas or concerns or whatever. Thank you. Certainly. We're going to take, I'm going to make a motion that we take a two-minute, five-minute bio break.
Now I've got to find my. If everybody could please take a seat. Um, thank you. I'd appreciate that. We begin again now at uh, 7.53 p.m. On to item number four. I'd like to make a motion that we open 240 Turnpike Street, Judge Rottenberg Center. I'll second. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. Joe? Aye. Jim? Aye. And I'm an aye. Good evening. the applicant. Um, I have with me tonight, right next to me, Greg Driscoll from JDE Engineering, Bill Madden, who we've met previously. He is the landscape architect. Uh, we have a new traffic engineer tonight, Maureen Schlebeck, and we have uh, Mick McGill as well from JRC. Just a quick little history to get us back on track here. Um, the proposed project is located at 240 Turnpike Street. Uh, we're proposing 88 new parking places. Um, and these are being designed to help deal with the current use, future use, and circulation issues as we've already been through, as well as AAB compliance. Um, we received conservation approval on January 26th, um, fired the filed the application with the ZBA for site plan review last December. We had the first planning meeting in May, 2nd June, 3rd July, and I believe this is our fourth. Um, in doing all of this, we're bringing the uh, site up to modern stormwater management you know, past practices. Um, we're removing the non-ADA compliant parking. We're improving site circulation and uh, we are proposing site lighting to improve the safety for the JRC staff, mainly during the winter months when it's dark a little bit early. They currently have three light poles on the property. They're owned by a utility company. It's in the rear of their parking lot. The project's going to give JRC ownership over their lighting and control, um, as well as provide safe lighting coverage across the entire lot, not just on the southern edge as there is now. Um, as we've said before, um, turnoff time, um, the applicant has agreed to 8 p.m. Um, it's actually going to be able to be completely controlled by JRC. And at 8 p.m., um, it'll be controlled by motion only, and it'll only turn on to half the, um, the you know, maximum lighting. So what you see on the lighting plan is full, so it would be half of that. It'll remain that way till 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, as well, one other element of this is there's the dirt parking lot that we've brought up a few times as well we're going to allow that to return to green uh, which is going to allow us to remove a non-ada compliant um, way of accessing that currently um, there were a couple of remaining discussion items i believe at our last meeting 
One was a question about whether or not an MDOT permit would be required. I believe you have it, but we reached out to the MDOT and they said a permit's not required. And then what I was hoping to do is just go through Mr. Houston's uh, remaining comments and then basically turn it over to Bill Madden to, uh, because he's really going to explain what changed regarding the, um, uh, what he had proposed previously. So uh, if I accidentally skip over one of Mr. Houston's comments, just please stop me. But um, I'm sure you've all received it. It was dated October 10th. and. Uh, Comment seven was resolved, that was addressed. Um, number 10 was the second one, which talks about parking demand, where he basically uh, reiterated uh, what had been resubmitted to the board, um, explaining the parking numbers. Um, and I, I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, Basically, he resolved that by indicating that zoning compliance would be reviewed by the ZBA. Um, 11 and 12 refer back to 10. 13 um, was regarding parking layout, and he cited to a specific um, section of bylaws there, and uh, he indicated that the ZBA is um, in particular, authorized to require development and evaluation of alternative parking layouts. Um, 20 resolved, 26 resolved, 31 resolved, 32. Um, requiring the construction contractor to identify construction practices that mitigate noise could be a con condition of approval of any favorable ZBA decision. Not sure if you want to discuss that. Uh, 33 resolved, 38 bike racks, and uh, should be reviewed with the ZBA. 41 um, was provision of a designated pedestrian way through parking areas. Um, whether the provisions of the zoning bylaw are enforceable <coughs> is a zoning issue. Um, that can be reviewed with the ZBA. Uh, 42, we recommend that submission of a construction phase transportation and man management plan to reduce single occupant vehicle trips during construction should be a condition of approval. Um, the applicant's working on trying to find um, somewhere where uh, that would offer temporary parking, but has at this point been unable to find anything that um, is certainly very amenable to that condition. Did I go through those too quickly? Okay. Um, finally, uh, I believe numbers 31 and 20 of his review letter um, talk again about that opaque uh, fence, so I thought it would just be easiest to turn it over to Bill Madden to um, show everyone what that changes, and then we'll open it up to questions. Testing, is this on? 
We don't hear anything. We don't in hear here. it. It's for the. That's, it's for, for, that's uh, for people at home. Oh, it's just for home. Okay, yeah. thank you. Sorry. Um, so actually, I have a very sort of quick few few details just to sort of pick up to sort of update you guys on what the what we addressed in the plan. And so, uh, at the last meeting, we talked about screening for the abutters, um, and connected to that was evergreen trees and using native plants. So what we decided is to invest more into the plants. Um, so. What we did is we brought in more native, uh, the native cedar tree, the Junipers virginiana, um, and switched out the Leyland cypress. Um, but because of the Leyland cypress grows faster, we wanted to sort of get to that point. So we, we also increased the size of the tree as well, from the original eight to ten Leyland cypress to, to the ten to twelve uh, native cedar tree. Um, and there were some comments from the board about integrating in mountain laurel into the plant palette. Um, so we've done that as well. Um, and so that was our first pass. And I believe we submitted that to the town. And then there was feedback about concern about the acoustics to the abutters. Um, so we brought back the acoustic barrier. And we brought it 10 feet off of our parking lot. Um, so snow removal is going to be sort of pushed up against the fence. Um, and I just wanted to share this with you. Um, there was questions about the, the materiality of the acoustic barrier and its durability. Um, and the footprint, the footprint of the uh, acoustic barrier and fence has uh, been reduced in its total length. It's approximately 210 linear feet. And it starts from the back corner of the parking lot to the shed. And so we stop at the shed. Um, there's a small little picnic area that we want to keep open um, to, the, to the tenant. Uh, and that's about it for landscape improvements at this point. Do you guys want to? Actually, heavier than it looks if you want to maybe pass a couple around. Hey, board members have any questions about that? Mr. Houston, any comments? No, I, I think at this juncture we've pretty well gone through the comments. I think the remaining comments are really zoning matters. Uh, the parking they have, I think, reasonably established that there is some increase in parking uh, required. The, um, there is a provision of the zoning bylaw that says that uh, you're not supposed to have more parking spaces than are required by the zoning bylaw. And it further says that in cases like this, where there is not a specific category in the zoning bylaw, that it's up to the ZBA to set what the um, uh, what the required number of parking spaces are going to be. So, I think their traffic engineer made a cogent case that 169 parking spaces are required. They are, however, providing 223 as opposed to the 169. So there's 54 more spaces, perhaps, 
than are needed. So that's a zoning question. It's not a planning board question, but it's an important one. One of the things that the neighbors also requested was that there be alternative layouts explored for the parking area. And the ZBA does have the power to do that, but again, it's a ZBA question. You could probably make the existing parking lot a shade more efficient. You know, as a kind of an axiom in site design, you park the perimeter. You put spaces around the perimeter and fill in after that. Wasn't quite done. So you might shrink it a little bit or whatever. But that, again, I don't think it's a planning board issue. It's a zoning matter. It's a ZBA issue. So uh, other than that, many of the former comments have been resolved. I think it is very important in terms of trying to protect the neighborhood here. I think the landscaping is very critical. I think the acoustical barrier is certainly critical. And, and uh, I'm pleased to see that those two features have evolved during the course of our discussion. So I can go over any of the specific comments we had, but I think those are probably the highlights. So. No, I know that I was concerned about the lighting, <clears throat> concerned about the noise for the neighbors. I, and that seems to have been addressed. Um, any other board members have any comments about the report? Joe, do you have anything to say? Not right now. Okay. I just, when we went on the um, site walkthrough, um, does seem really to be a need to add the parking. It is really tight back there. It's almost really not safe. It seemed like to me when we were walking it with the way um, how just it's just so crowded back there. So I, I get it from that point. And, um, and they've had to patch so, look, so many spots in it and there's so many divots. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really pretty bad back there. And um, I also noticed with the neighborhood um, when they kind of look out, it's kind of sparse towards the, from where you stand and look over and see the houses. And actually, I think having this barrier would be better for their sight lines than what they have now, even. David, do you have any comments? Nothing right now. Was there any more that you wanted to discuss? Is oh, I think, I mean, this is our, our fourth time here. I think we've sort of briefly outlined where, where we've come, and I'll just, I'll rest. Well, I'd like to recognize Attorney Matthews. Thank you. Yes, good evening. Suzanne Matthews, um, here representing um, the abutters in opposition to um, this approval of the site plan. We presented the board with a letter uh, focused primarily um, on the abutters ob objection to the need or the, uh, of the particular plan and the particular parking. But I'd like now to supplement that with our opposition to the issuance of a positive recommendation by this board of a site plan for the proposed parking lot expansion of 240 Turnpike Street. And this opposition that I'm going to highlight, at least in my uh, oral representation, is consideration of what I'm going to call the substantially flawed plan and other submissions presented to this board by the JRC. As the planning board knows, it's within the authority of this board to review and quote unquote investigate the site plan as presented and report in writing its recommendations to the Board of Appeals. It's our position that the submissions of JRC 
commit, considered in conjunction with the comments of Professional Service Corporation through Tom Houston do not warrant a favorable recommendation by the board. After months of hearings, submissions by the JRC, and reviews by Tom Houston, the site plan submitted by JRC remains incomplete, more importantly, inaccurate, and fails to address the specific conditions for approval. Specifically, the petition in response to subsequent comments by Mr. Houston failed to accurately present the parking currently available at the site, the parking needs of JRC, and any alter alternate parking plans. I understand, as the board said, the parking lot may be in bad condition. It may need to be resurfaced. However, when you look a little bit more in detail, and that's why I'm going to sort of go through it, as to what was presented and the um, changes that have been made in those without accurate, uh, I would say, accuracy are very important to look at. Well, we understand that it may be the position of the board that the outstanding issues relating to parking on this project are outside the scope of this board and lie with the ZBA. That issue, I think, is important to look, realize is limited, however, to the number of spaces needed, and as Tom Houston referred to, that particular part of the zoning bylaw, spa spaces needed by the JRC and allowed by the ZBA. It is this board's authority, however, to investigate the plans to ensure that the plans are complete and include sufficient accurate information for consideration by this board and the ZBA. The site plan fails to meet that criteria. The site plan is incomplete in germane issues and fails to set forth credible facts to support the position. The first issue should be very simple. How many spaces are available on the current plan? The JRC has presented to the board a site plan with a number of uh, uh, revisions. They've presented three traffic um, parking analysis reports by McMahon and Associates dated July 19, 2022, April 15, 2022, and September 19, 2022. I want to point out the inaccuracies and the changes in the computations as they've gone along to satisfy their needs rather than to accurately reflect what is there on the ground. On page one of the study dated 7 McMahon states that there are a total of 240 marked spaces at the facility. This number does not include the additional 22 spaces, which McMahon states are located at 230 Turnpike Street. Including these spaces increases the number of spaces currently on the ground to 262 spaces. Now, I'd like to focus on the 22 overflow spaces. During the course of this, they're referred to by JRC as overflow spaces, as dirt spaces, um, JR, which JRC attempts to exclude. JRC, and I don't say this lightly, has consistent, continually misrepresented to the board that such spaces are somehow inaccessible uh, or cannot be relied upon by JRC. Specifically, as stated on page one of the traffic study, the JR3 through McMahon states, the dirt lot is act and that's when dirt lot is referring to the 22 spaces, is accessed via the full access driveway at 230 Turnpike Street, which shares access with the auto parts store. This statement is clearly inaccurate. In its second report, dated August 15, 2022, after consideration of additional facts presented by the abutters, McMahon attempted to reinterpret its data. Again, JRC misrepresents the number of spaces available by excluding the 22 spaces. JRC attempts to dismiss these spaces on a number of misrepresentations. First, they state, 
The dirt lot contains 22 spaces accessed through a driveway not owned by JRC. That is not true. I'd like to draw your attention to a handout that I provided you with. There are three pages of that handout. The first page is a plan that I will represent. The second are two photos. As you can see from those photos, the, where these cars are being parked, that is open right on to Turnpike Street. And you need to look at now, JRC purchased 240R Turnpike Street, also known as Lot A in 2001. I provided you with a plan uh, noted as 18888F. As indicated on the plan, referencing the deed to JRC, the quote unquote dirt lot is part of 240R Turnpike Street with 50 feet of its own frontage on Turnpike Street, not through a driveway shared by 230 Turnpike Street. In its um, August 15th report, GRC states that because the access driveway is not owned by JRC, installation of a fence around 230 Turnpike Street would terminate access to this dirt lot. Again, absolutely inaccurate. The access to that is owned by JRC. Clearly, 230 Turnpike Street has no right to fence in that property there. Um, the land including 20, 50 foot feet of frontage on Turnpike Street, and that's not a small amount of land, that's what's required for a road in the town. The owners of 230 Turnpike Street cannot fence that in. JRC also argues, and again tonight did, that the lot at issue has to be ADA accessible and they're removing that. Again, that is not true. As has been confirmed with the building inspector, this specific lot does not need to be ADA accessible. Merely the number of spaces available at this location would be included in the overall number of spaces and the percentage necessary uh, to ADA spaces on the whole lot. So to say that has to be removed because it, again, is untrue. Nowhere on the plan or any of the revisions that you are asked to recommend does JRC represent and acknowledge that it currently has 262 spaces available fully accessible to its operation. That plan is incomplete and is not a plan in which positive recommendation should be issued and not a plan on which the zoning board can rely to make a determination of what's needed. Now again, focusing on the number of spaces that the JRC says are needed. This is where it's most troubling and they're playing with what we call playing with the data. On 7-19-22, JRC through McMahon stated that the zoning bylaws provide that a total of 323 spaces are needed for 240 and 250 Turnpike Street. First, the proposed project is identified that you're here to consider is 240 Turnpike Street, not 240 and 250 Turnpike Street. Second, the calculations provided by JRC do not apply to an education facility. Once we got through that um, position, JRC's next argument is that there are insufficient spaces to accommodate its needs during peak demand. In its parking analysis reports, JRC reiterated that based on its scientific analysis as set forth in its seven report dated July 19th, 211 spaces are needed during its peak demand. As set forth in table four of the, seven, of the July 19th report, based on 162 spaces that are available, that calculation results in 81% of utilization of the total spaces available. That percent is within the acceptable number in the traffic uh, assessment analysis. JRC then took those numbers and recalculated, they reconfigured. JRC argued in its uh, August 15th report that deleting the 22 spaces brings the ratio, the 22 quote unquote dirt spaces, brings the ratio up to 
There is no justification for deleting these spaces. When that was not good enough, JRC again arbitrarily and deceptively recalculated its numbers in a third report dated September 19, 2022. First, in its September 19th report, JRC has decreased the dirt lot spaces, if you look at it, and as Mr. Euston referred to them as, from 22 to 19 without explanation or justification. In all other reports and all the material, it was 22 spaces. All of a sudden, without any explanation, in the September 19th report, th those spaces are 19 spaces. Second, which is really troubling, in its in a September 9th report, JRC, we say, misstates and miscalculates or recalculates the percentage. The re as we stated earlier, the first report, which we think is the report that's based on scientific knowledge, the 719 report, states what the peak demand is and states what, what they have and what they need. And, they, and that makes reference to 81%. And when it was pointed out that the 81% was in the parameters, as I said, they changed that to be 88%. Shockingly, they have a, report, a table on this now report says that there, it's 106%. So in other words, they do not have enough. But what's difficult to see, and the reason I'm Picking it out and asking the board to relook at that, is when they had 81%, 88%. That's based upon utilization of their whole site. What they did on this table, in this reference, is that they took the 19 spaces away, 19, which should be 22, and they put them on what they call 230 East Lot. That 106% utilization is not based upon the overall lot. They have focused it based upon that one particular lot. Well, that's not only the particular lot that's available with them. Again, those calculations are not accurate. And for the board to issue a positive recommendation on this, re this um, site plan that has a number of false and inaccurate information and expect the zoning board to rely on that um, is not, a, we don't believe, an ex a proper exercise of your authority. Um, finally, um, addressing the issue of the alternate parking layout. Again, as, as uh, Mr. Houston has stated, pursuant to section 6.13 of the bylaws, where feasible, and I acknowledge that the ZBA may require parking areas to be located in a way as to provide an appropriate setting for the building within the context of the site and neighborhood and allow parking areas to be shared with adjacent businesses. The Board of Appeals may, appeals may require alternative studies of parking layouts. In its comments dated, February 24, 22, PSC requested the JRC review requirements for quote-unquote alternative studies of parking layouts with the ZBA. ZRC, ZRC, the, uh, GRC, JRC initially mistakenly cited protection from this requirement by the Dover Amendment. JRC amended its response on August 16, 2022, stating, creating a compact layout may compromise the proposed calculation improvements within the parking expansion. JRC failed to produce an alternate parking plan on which this assumption is based. A complete investigation of this site by the planning board on which this board may make a recommendation and the ZBA may rely should include alternative studies of parking layouts, not just mere assumptions as to what an alternative parking layout may be. Alternatives to clearing three acres of wood essential to wooded residential property. Finally, in his third parking analysis, dated September 19th, 2022, JR states, in support of it, we will reclaim 
22 dirt lot spaces as green space. How about maintaining three acres of wooded green space in a residential di district at issue rather than reclaiming 1,200 plus square feet of green space on industrial property on Turnpike Street? The site on which this board is asked to provide a positive recommendation is incomplete and inaccurate. JRC's representation to this board are no more than a game of continued deception which falls to set, fails to set forth in a clear and cohesive manner an analysis of the existing parking and how that relates to its assumed peak demand. As addressed by Mr. Houston in his comments dated October 10, 2022, a revised allocation of 29 spaces to 32, adding them that somehow the peak, peak demand was inaccurate because people were on vacation. Uh, contained in the July report. That may not be accurate as it's unlikely that all 32 persons on vacation would work during the time of peak demand. The McMahon Empirical Peak Utilization Study as set forth in its July 19th report is the only fact-based evidence submitted to this board and it does not support a need for this development. For the reasons and others set forth in our written submissions, this site plan is insufficient to support a positive recommendation. Not only because we feel it's not needed, we think that the board has not been given the proper accurate information to exercise their authority to make a recommendation of which the um, zoning board can rely on and interpreting that as it fits into their um, analysis for the zoning regulation. Thank you. <clears throat> if there's anybody else that wishes to speak, we ask that you keep your comments brief. Um, you're welcome to go up to a microphone, identify yourself. If you have anything to say or add, you're welcome to do so. Anybody from the neighborhood? Keep it brief. If it's already something we've discussed or you've already mentioned, um, try and keep it directly on topic. Uh, good evening, Roger Mill, 27 Autumn Circle. Um, I agree with what the last speaker said. If you look at the plan, it doesn't match what they're asking. It's pretty, um, it's pretty straightforward. And when the f this first came in, I think it was pretty obvious that the parking lot wasn't being utilized. So I don't want to repeat what was just said, but I support the last speaker. Thank you. Good evening. Madam Chairwoman and uh, members of the board, Paul Phelan. 16 Autumn Circle. Um, I'd just like to thank our attorney for representing the 30 homes that are up there that are totally against this. Um, I'd like to bring up one brief story of how the board has helped us in the past. Uh, at a town meeting 25 years ago, there was an error made uh, regarding the zoning. Ro Mr. Mill pointed out to me the day after the town meeting that they had taken this land, that, that this residential land, and the previous building commissioner drew a line down the middle of it and made half of it um, commercial. No one could understand why. Immediately we walked up to the up the street and at the end of Hillsville Street there's a gentleman, Mr. Ray Carlson, uh, World War II vet. He had a, a map that clearly showed for, uh, it was residential. And this is when he purchased the property in 1945. That following week, the three of us went to a planning board meeting chaired by Mr. Victor Delvecchio, uh, Mr. Chris Podersky, and Officer Scott Lenhart. The meeting went five minutes. They looked down and said, this was not in the warrant, it's clearly an error. We'll take care of the zoning and matter. And, but uh, I'm not disputing, uh, as everyone has stated, Mr. McCarthy clearly um, um, informed us at the previous meeting, you can't take that into consideration. But 
Um, I hope you will um, all vote against this because there are so many reasons. Uh, one I would like to uh, reiterate with that our attorney, Suzanne Matthews, mentioned. Uh, they had stated the reason for this parking issue was especially during shift changes. Their recent study showed the biggest problem was 11 o'clock in the morning when the parking lot was 75% full. 11 o'clock in the morning, not at 7 or 8 in the morning. So uh, for, there were so many inconsistencies, especially in addition to that issue with their number of employees. They stayed in their application, they have 500 employees. The next, the first plan board meeting, uh, they stated they had 370. Then we asked for additional information. They gave us, uh, a, a, they stated 700. Now they're back down to 370. I hope you take that into consideration. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Anybody else wish to speak? Hi there, uh, Jerry 19 Autumn Circle. I don't know how I'm gonna manage this, but <clears throat> I'll do my best. <laughs> um, okay, so the, oh, just hold it. The height is for All right, as long as you folks can hear me, yes. this is mostly for you. Um, okay, so the planning board on site plan reviews recommends plans to the ZBA for approval. This implies the projects recommended for approval meet all known SPR requirements and the town zoning bylaw. Your recommendation may not be binding, but it's very important, and this project does not meet the requirements of the town zoning bylaw. The bylaw states that for this use, minimum parking equals maximum parking, as Tom said, and it's determined by peak demand. According to the applicant's own demand study and their ITE calculation, they already have enough spaces. These are the most important points this board should be considering, and I understand that you were there. I understand that it looks crowded, and you know I, I will accept that premise if that's what you think. However, the, the, all right, you know what? I lost my train of thought on that, but the, <laughs> okay. sorry. Um, okay, so anyway, so the, upon receiving the information about the IT calculation and the demand study, the applicant immediately began asking McMahon, their, uh, their consultant, to essentially debunk their own study results with supplemental memos. These contained disingenuous math, Suzanne pointed this out, designed to confuse and obfuscate. For example, re removing the dirt lot and then shifting those cars in to the empirically observed numbers and then recalculating demand with reference to only a small portion of the available parking, thus making the resultant increase appear larger. You can see Suzanne's memo from yesterday for more information on this. Additionally, Ms. Ms. Matthews has confirmed that those 22 spots don't need to be ADA compliant and do have frontage access on their property. The memos also contain reference to the employees on vacation, but considering JRC's business, these folks likely had cover. Also, there are always some amount of employees out of the office. How does the time of the study compare to other times? This is all conjecture. The hard data in the original study is what should be considered here. I simply don't believe this board can recommend for, for approval an SPR whose supporting documentation has been rife with inconsistencies and misdirection. I consider this an affront to the abutters and to this board. We had to force them to recognize their use of the dirt lot, and they immediately began to look for reasons not to include it that Suzanne has thoroughly debunked. They finally did a parking demand study. When they didn't like the results, they immediately began efforts to twist and contort the data to mitigate it. This is not how data works. 
At every turn, the applicant and their plan has been disingenuous and adversarial, rather than accommodating abutters and evaluating alternative ways to meet their parking needs, which is what I was going to say earlier, and I forgot, which is a, <laughs> which is a ZBL requirement. They need to evaluate alternatives. Like, you guys have been there, sure, there might be a problem, but they haven't, they haven't evaluated anything else except this, and there are other ways to do this. I've suggested them prior. We suggested a package of alternatives you can read in Suzanne's memo that I originally brought up a year ago in CONCOM, and I mentioned it again last meeting. I'm not going to go over the points again. Up to this point, they've been entirely ignored. So, I'm willing to accept, so, all right. I urge, you not to, I urge you to vote not to approve the plan and force the applicant to propose an alternative to tearing up three acres of woods and wetlands. They have not demonstrated a need for this parking, but environmental science has demonstrated a need for wetlands and preservation. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to reiterate something that I said in, oh sorry, please. Kylie Nichols, oh, 16 Autumn Circle. I wanted to reiterate um, something I said the last meeting, which was looking at the hard data, as Jura said, uh, the numbers clearly show that they have the number of spots they need, even if you added every employee who was supposedly out that day, that they, they, have, the, they have the space they need. And I, I think we can um, you know, take a leap of faith on the fact that if they were able to play with numbers and come back to us with six different scenarios to how many spaces they actually have, how many employees they actually have, that they could probably get a number of employees to show up on the day that you were scheduled to go there and have as many people there as they wanted. I think they've proven to be deceptive, and they've proven that they're willing to give false data, and that should bear, bear in mind in this decision. And I also, um, you know, going back to, a dis there was a discussion here about, oh, now we're going to have control of lighting, and we're going to be able to control when my neighbor Matt sees their lights um, in, his, in his house at four o'clock in the morning. They've had control over who they've been able to get to plow that residence, and they consistently had been doing it at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. So I, I don't get any sense of relief that they have control and that this lighting problem will be solved because they've had control of a lot of things um, and have really disrespected the neighborhood. So I, I would ask that you not um, vote favorably on this. Hi, <clears throat> excuse me, Liz Waterhouse, 24 Autumn Circle. Just want to reiterate what everybody else has said. Um, I can't keep up with the numbers. They've changed every time. Bottom line, it's three acres of land. Um, just a total lack of consideration for the neighborhood, the town, the board, Mr. Houston, until their, their hands were forced and they had to come back with some uh, responses to some of the issues. It's just I'm completely opposed to this. Facility 21 Autumn Circle. Um, I just wanted to basically say that we're clearing three acres of land. There's a lot of concerned neighbors with legitimate worries and fears. Three acres of land cleared in our neighborhood. It's going to change the scope, the look, and the feel of the whole neighborhood. We are doing this for how many parking, parking spots? According to the own scientific study, they don't need it. They do not need it. We don't need it. We don't want it. It's basically illegitimate. It's illegitimate data. You have a lot of serious, concerned people here. This is our livelihood. There is no reason to, change, to clear three acres of land, which is now basically still 
residential zoned. You want to put some houses up there? Fine. But to clear three acres of land for an illegitimate number of parking spots is very, very concerning to the neighbors in the community. Butters, and I hope you you really just vote a negative uh, a negative conclusion to the misinformation, the continued misinformation that we're giving on the facts. Please stick to the facts. You 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 say you looked at the parking lot; it's dilapidated. Yes, it's dilapidated. Then regrade it, repave it. You don't have to take down three three wooded acres to do this. I understand everybody keeps saying three wooded acres, but it's because they're going to bring it up to stormwater management for one acre of parking. So regard, I understand what you're saying. Anybody else have any comments from the board? I have a question if I could Certainly. ask uh, Attorney Matthews. She made a comment that I hadn't, I don't think I had heard before. You may have said it a dozen times and I missed it each time. You mentioned the, the, the difference in the parcels of 240 and 250. Could you give me a little, continue that story? Okay. Or there's, there's two, there's really three parcels. There's right. the 250, 240, and 240R. The petition that they submitted to the boards was for 240, which encompasses 240R. And then when they did um, the studies and they had it, and they wanted to, when they did the first calculation, saying that it was based upon square footage of the building, which was inaccurate, they all of a sudden brought in 250, because that made that number to 323 parking spaces they needed. And so that could have went on to that next level. Then when that was debunked pretty easily, that there was just a misunderstanding, I'm assuming, on that, not an intentional misunderstanding of how you calculate it. But then we've now been in with all of the parking and all the parking spaces. So I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, this, these numbers of the parking, uh, number of parking, make my head spin, but the... Um, the calculation of the tw July 19th uh, study was based upon all of it. And that was based upon all that's available and all that's needed. And so based upon that, it was 81%. And the reason, I, but now when they did their September 19th, and when they say, we know we're really utilizing 106%, they picked one piece of that sole entirety. So that's the, what we, call, we consider very... Seriously, the deception is if you look at the tables and you look at them carefully, each table uses a different set of numbers. You know, one, the first table that's in July, table four, which we think is probably the most accurate one, and it lists each parking lot, it lists number of utilized, and lists what it is. And I don't recall how many lots, but say they break it down into four or five. Then the next report, they kind of jumbled some together, and the tables are different numbers. And then the final report that was in September 19th, you can't even cross-check that versus the first report that was there. You know, we believe the intention is to deceive. We're here. We, I believe it isn't with your authority to make sure that the, what you have to base your recommendation on is accurate and complete. We don't want to go to the zoning board, and these same arguments are going to be made again on the same situation, and the arguments being that the plan itself, never mind how it's going to be interpreted by the zoning bylaw, the plan itself, as it's been presented to you, does not warrant a positive recommendation. No, go ahead, Mr. Mr. No, no, you look at you had a question I, for her. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I have a question, actually, for the applicant, because 
I was going back through my notes back from May, and originally it was indicated that it was 240 spaces, then 249, with an increase of 87 to putting it up to 348. What is the exact number? Okay, I'm going to have the engineer answer that. Okay. Um, I guess we'll just answer your question. Okay, thank you. Because, yeah. I mean, I have questions because I have, from all my notes, I have different numbers from what I've been told, too. Mm-hmm. So when the study was done, it included 250 because it was kind of hard not to count everything and consider the whole facility as one. So you'll see on our zoning table, uh, we went through and we've gone back and forth with the command to make sure we have everything correct. There's actually um, a couple existing parking spaces that aren't really utilizable that we corrected on the plan as well. There, there's um, mud puddles and landscape aisles that were a little bit bigger and you can't really park your car in a couple of these spaces. And then as far as the front area where the, uh, we're losing a couple of spaces to handicap to um, create the correct ADA uh, striped spaces in between. So we lose some spaces up front. So that kind of almost equaled out. We're, we're different by one space with that. So what we have, and we broke it down on sheet six of the current plan set, at 240 Turnpike Street, we have 184 spaces. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 184 existing, 272 proposed. And then under the 250 column, nothing changes. That's 156 space. Uh, I'm sorry, 56 spaces existing, 56 proposed. There's no proposed on 250. So the existing number of spaces is 184, and the proposed is 272. So that, that's not including what the 22 or 22 that are on, on yeah. third. Yeah, and, and then there's a total parking for both sites, some rides on the bottom. Existing 240 spaces, proposed 328 spaces, with an increase of 88. I'm sorry, what was that last number? With an increase of 88. Increase of 88. Yeah, so existing 240 spaces, proposed so 328, entire facility, both, both sites, with an increase of 88 spaces. Because the original proposal was 87, as I recall. Yeah, and that's, um, that's from uh, McMahon's parking count. They had a different, they, they pointed out a couple of spaces that were not able to be utilized in the rear. And then we corrected that also with the um, couple of spaces up front that we lost due to striping for ADA on those new ADA spaces in the front. So 184 existing currently. Yep. And you're adding 80. 88. 88. Yep. When we do a survey to survey a parking spot, we don't shoot the ends of every single parking space. So we interpolate between based on the distances. Between, uh, well, that's 272 spaces. Go ahead, Mr. McCarthy. Thank you. Um, Mr. Euston, we heard from the opposition, from the abutters, that the parcel of the 20-some-odd parking spaces doesn't need to be ADA compliant. I know you're not an ADA expert, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm betting the interpretation is, is it's a separate legal parcel Therefore, it doesn't need to be the ADA compliant because I'm surprised to hear that. Well, there's a lot of interpretation at ADA, but 
the way I would look at the site. You know, there's a total parking count of whatever we say it is, yeah. two foot is there. You look up in the ADA table, the number of uh, accessible spaces that are required for the total parking on the site, and you put those in locations which are convenient to the building entrances yeah. and are properly sloped and graded, et cetera. So you don't have to have ADA spaces on that little lot over there. You'd consider, if they were gonna maintain it as parking, you'd count those as existing spaces and they would go into the total number that determines the number of ADA spaces, but you'd put the ADA spaces in proximity to the, the building in properly graded areas. Okay. May I? May I just Certainly. add a point on that? Um, <clears throat> these are spaces um, that are on <clears throat> dirt and don't share the driveways that that you see on the plan for 240. They don't show the, the main for 240, 240, 240 yeah. R, 250. Yeah, so this these... is separate. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand yeah. that. I knew that. I knew that. The... Yeah. No, I knew that. I was just surprised to hear that piece of it. I thought part of what you said, then I thought it was just going to be because it's a separate legal parcel. Um, and further on that? that Could I just, uh, and I don't mean to interrupt, but on that, because it, it doesn't have the driveway, it does. The plan I gave you. The plan, the 1971 plan that was referenced when JRC purchased the 240R, their parking on that, it has a 50 foot wide access to Turnpike Street. That's not 230s. They're not, and if you even look at it, if you go there and you look at the photos and you look at the plan, 230 is, is a smaller lot. The large part that's on there is 240. They have that access and they have that driveway. They are not using or have no need to use 230 to get access to those spots. Yeah. And 50 feet, and I confirm with the building instructor and uh, commissioner, 50 feet is pretty wide. That's wide enough to have parallel parking. Is that where the hill is? The 50 it's feet? It's on top. Is, is, is the 50 feet part of the hill? No, it's on top. It's, it's it, on top. it looks like, if you look at it, and that's why we were concerned about this. If you drive by, you would think it was part of 230, but it's not. And there is a current, and they make reference to it in there material that there's a stairway that goes down into that area that needs yeah, to be repaired yes. but can be repaired but the point of it is yeah. we've had to dig and do a lot of work to basically as you said debunk a really clear false misrepresentation that was well known to them they purchased the property they had a plan when they did it and it wasn't until we were able to bring those facts that now all of a sudden they came up and again now saying they're not we can't use them not ada you know, obviously, Mr. Houston's more of an expert than I am, but I had also confirmed that with Mr. Walsh before I made that representation, and he reiterated exactly what Mr. Houston had said. Thank you. Thank you. I heard you on the 240. I heard you on the parking, so on the entrance, I should say. Some history to this is they actually rented those spaces from 230 before because they thought it was their property. If you go out there, you look. it looks like this is all one property. Yeah. It's all one wide open. There's not even an actual legal mass DOT curb cut. Driveway. Would you concur, Mr. Houston? That that's not a legal curb cut. That's not. Yeah, but that not the standards. Uh, I I can't comment on that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just and then this uh, is the property line right here. So that's 50 yeah. feet wide. If they were going to make this an actual parking lot, you need to have 30 foot radius returns and a 24 foot wide aisle. That's not enough. Isn't it? 
whether or not it's part of the project or not, though. I mean, we're we're talking about a small number of spaces that the applicant doesn't want to use. We're adding 88, 88 spaces. Yeah. I think I think I think um, I he I hear your point on it, and I think it's got just got to do that they've been represented and added and taken out. That has the question, and I just have a question for. You could wait just a moment, yeah, sir. From Mr. Houston. We'll call you in a minute. Thank you. I was surprised to hear the applicant say that they they went to MassDOT and MassDOT said that they were not required to, and I'm going to say review because I don't know what the technical term is from MassDOT. Am I incorrect in my belief that MassDOT should be reviewing it or am I incorrect? Correct or incorrect? I don't know which I said first. We raised the issue because I also believed that um, placing more spaces there would change the volumes through the driveways. Yeah. And that's usually what triggers an updated access permit. Now, I will admit that there are administrative differences among the various district offices in Massachusetts, but you know the the engineer in writing indicated that they had contacted the district office and that they had determined that a permit was not required. I can't provide more information. I don't know what the so, discussions so, were or what the you know I, I don't. But because no permit. I thought we forward that email to you. We did. There was literally an email from MDOT that we provided that said we do not need it. That's correct. Thank you. Anybody else on the board? Did you say that, I don't know if it was you or somebody determined that there were parking spaces that were unusable and they, could, and they didn't count them because they were unusable? Why would they be unusable? And why couldn't, if they are unusable, why couldn't they be made to be usable? He's talking about how after the traffic engineer went there, you had to change what you had on your plan initially. Because oh, yeah. Um, so there was, there was a discrepancy between what we had in our plan and what the man had for their total number of spaces. So we had to resolve that. And what that ended up being is, like, like I said earlier, when we do a survey, we don't shoot points for every single striped parking space. And sometimes you can't even tell where the stripes are for the parking spaces. So we made, we put the parking in based on what was there for uh, the landscape islands. And it turned out that in one spot there was a mud puddle and the, the, the um, asphalt had broken away and it's really more of a Baker landscape aisle, island. And like this space right here um, is unusable. So that was not considered by McMahon when they did their parking count. So it was a disconnect between so, what we had and what, what they had, and that's what we resolved. So I, I just want to clarify, because of the planning board requiring a traffic engineer to go out there, the plan was corrected. Yeah. But it could be fixed um, to give you more well, spaces. Well, there were ADA spaces counted initially that don't comply currently with the ADA requirements. So, no. 
I have a question. Can't be fixed. Oh, sorry, Jim. Uh, I mean, we perhaps. I mean, but we're talking about. I mean, it saves you guys money too. <laughs> you know. I guess there's probably oh, a way to revisit whether the ADA spaces could be. And is that what happened? I think we'd lose spaces, though. Would we not? Yeah. Okay. Is that what happened at 432 when you actually did a count? By the way, you shot it. You lost those three spaces. How did yeah. you do the same thing? The three spaces wasn't it related to uh, pavement that had broken up? Yeah, in the in this rear parking lot. There's three spaces in the rear where the pavement had broken up over. At 4:30. I'm talking 4:30. We lost three spaces. We went from 22. Four. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. Next one. It's two, a dirt lot. 2:40. No, um, two, no, we 230 are not is the. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, the, uh, 230. Auto park place. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that, it wasn't there. No. It wasn't that location. But, you but on the chat, you lost three spaces. You went from 22 to 19. Let's put the board up. Okay. I know we've done this a thousand times, but it's getting more confusing the more we talk about it. So for example, this, this parking space right here, we accounted before as this, well this space right here, we counted as a parking space, but it's really not usable, it's not accessible. Um, McMahon sent us pictures to show us the area, and we, that's one of the, that's the area that we, right there that we took out, and then I think a landscape island was left out here, and those two spaces are not, um, or, yeah, that were, are not. Uh, While you're there, you wanna show them the uh, spaces in the front of 240 that you yes. counted initially that shouldn't have been? That's what I'm talking about, right here and here. That this plan is fixed. No, I mean the ADA. Yep, these are the ADA spaces, and you're supposed to have van spaces. That's why uh, we show on the proposed plan restriping the area for correct ADA spaces. And in doing so there, we lose a couple of spaces. So it really ended up to be a net of uh, one space. So originally when they were striped way back when, I'm sure they complied at that point. But with current regulations, they didn't meet it. So that was mentioned by McMahon to JDE Engineering. So they had to change their numbers and their plan at the time, which is why the numbers changed. Kathy, you have a question? Yeah, I just have a question. Like, did you consider improving the parking lot or changing the directional flow? Um, you know, it's like a big quality of life issue, I think, for the neighborhood. And they're the, at the end of the day, they live there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been something we've been looking at literally for over a year. Um, we've gone through a few years. This is 2019 project. Five or six plan revisions. We started out with 
a much different proposal that was scaled way back. Um, we think that the lighting changes in particular are a significant improvement. We're still well over 100 feet away from the neighbors. Um, in particular, the lights are now that we're replacing basically are glaring. They're owned by the, uh, the lighting company. The ones that we're proposing are all dark sky that we can dim and shut off. So as you know, I don't know what more we could possibly have done. We literally started this in 2019. You a question? So I have a question, actually. That's the lighting plan, and it shows along the perimeter of where the data points are that there's zero foot candles um, of light from the proposed light. And that plan, it's a little bit easier to read than the one provided by the uh, lighting company that was in the original submittal. I know this may have been asked back in May, but I don't recall. If the parking lot does get renovated, where is everybody that works there now going to park? Okay, that's the plan that Mr. Houston yeah. suggested being added as a condition of approval. Um, since we received that comment, um, the applicant has been calling around to try to get places. Um, that's going to take time to do. Um, but, you know, we have a lot more time <laughs> between now and when, when anything could happen. So, yeah. And know. also scheduling with the contractor as well. That's going to have to all dovetail into what they're doing. Even if you were just to do improvements to what you have, I mean, possibly find another location for other off-parking. Just a thought. But Yeah. Um, the abutters... Um, the commercial abutters have been um, have been asked, and we have yet to find us. Okay, you had a question. Uh, I just have a comment. So, in Grass Nineteen Eleven Circle, uh, I mean, I think the conversation that we just had about trying to clarify these numbers is pretty, uh, you know, demonstrative of this whole process. They're all over the place. Nobody knows what they are. When we ask what they are and why the count is different, we hear that there's reasoning about mud puddles and landscape piles, I mean, this comes down to, um, it's just negligence and how they've maintained their current lot. They could fix it and realize some additional parking. Um, even if we don't want to take that into consideration at all, the germane fact remains that they have more parking than they need based on their own studies and what is necessary and allowable under the ZBA regulations. So I would just ask that you take that into account. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, sir. <clears throat> Juris Graz, Adam Circle. I just want to point out that Mr. Pellegrini just said that his client does not want to use those spaces in the dirt area, just doesn't want to. We don't want that land developed, okay? There are, in, not, that is not the only way that they could do better in their current lot and live within their means. There's also a whole other section between, I think it's the swing sets and 240, like driveway maybe, if I'm remembering correctly. And that, so, and that's, there's a couple trees there. Listen, we love green space, but I would rather preserve the three acres and ditch those couple trees right there. Like regrade that, pave it, make it parking. Regrade the stuff that abuts 230 at 240R that we've been talking about, the dirt lot, put a retaining wall, pave it. Like Suzanne said, you might actually be able to get two rows. That remains to be seen. Greg said, maybe not. We don't know. 
my point is that it doesn't matter how long they've been working on this plan. We have not seen any of this stuff considered, like not once. So that's where I would ask you guys to apply pressure. This stuff needs to be thought about. And considering the fact that we've been asking and asking and asking since CONCOM, I don't think we're gonna get it. So I think you should say you do not approve this plan. Thank you. We're not considering taking away a play area for a school. I'm not talking about the swing sets. Don't, don't, don't yell please, from the back. Please, don't, keep, don't, keep it civil, I know. Um, Mr. McCarthy? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Madam Chair. <laughs> one of the tricks that we have sitting here at the planning board, or one, I'm going to speak for myself on this, is none of you, every one of us, believes in private property rights. So for us, for you to tell them what to do with their property and not have them be able to tell you what to do with your property, it, it's a conundrum. Now, I'm overgeneralizing that statement. I truly am overgeneralizing because it's one of the phenomenons I see when I'm sitting here in the planning board. People come to us to complain about something, but if I said to them, you, did you have to get permission to cut down your tree? They'd be appalled at the thought of having to get permission to cut down a tree on their own property. How dare our neighbor tell us? Having said that, I am gonna make a negative recommendation to the Zoning Board of Appeals on this for two reasons. One, I don't think the applicant has given us enough alternates, and I don't think the um, applicant has demonstrated a need. You wanna make a motion, David? Yeah. No, it's my motion. Okay. Anybody wanna second it? I'll second. We'll take a vote. Jim? Are we voting on a, Send a negative, negative recommendation? recommendation. So a, to the a yes Board vote is a negative recommendation. Okay. That was my that was my motion that you seconded. Okay, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> aye. Aye. David. Aye. And I'm an aye, because there, there's these are these things are lacking. The fact that there hasn't been consistency with the parking. Um, I understand that eventually, if there is parking that goes in there, you're going to your your willingness the the applicant's willingness to meet the stormwater management is great, but. We, there's too many gaps. We need to know where you're going to, if you were going to do the development, where you're going to park. We would need, the numbers have not been consistent. They've been up and down. And that's a problem. I'm good. Any, we're any good. other comments from anybody? No, no, we're good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Until one of you wants a garage, and then you're complaining. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. Oh, a house is in the backyard. <laughs> Just to, uh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we put some and by the way, Greg, the plan was so much better. Okay. <laughs> the plan is excellent. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, the Just plan is awesome. plan's excellent. Um, yeah. It's I, the landscape plan. But, yeah, I like the landscape what? plan. So you're going to have to go back. But they, okay. And they moved in there. I know. Okay. Just they too many. abutting residential. item on the agenda. Um, I'd like, Kathy, I believe that's your, it is. Um, I'd like to make a motion that we approve the meeting minutes of September 21st, 2022. Second. Great. 
Jim? Aye. David? Aye. Kathy? Aye. And I'm an aye. I have one more item to bring up. Um, in reference to MAPC, the gentleman Joshua we had at our last meeting wants to have open discussions with the public. And the dates I believe I gave each of you, if you could, we could decide tonight so I could send him an email. He indicated Monday the 14th, we'd be holding, I'd be booking it with the library. Monday the 14th of November, Wednesday the 16th of November, or Tuesday the 29th of November, or Wednesday the 30th. I'm a no on the 14th. The okay. 16th is a planning board meeting. Yes. Potentially. And I'm a yes and a yes. The only no I have is obviously the, the planning board, but the Monday, because sometimes we have right. the other CBA or traffic. Yep, and I have usually have library. Uh, yes, so. library. So, Jim? I didn't see that. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Here. Jim, you've been so good about being at all the meetings. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I can do anything. <laughs> They're all good. So maybe Tuesday the 29th probably looks the best for all of us. Sure. I will send an email out to Josh tomorrow to let him know. Is there anything else anybody else wants to address this evening? Karen? The next meeting. The next meeting. I, I wanted to just confirm. Um, I know Joe will be virtual. David, you weren't able to attend next Wednesday? Oh, that, is, that is correct. I am not able to. I'll be on a plane. Jim, work, a work you're able to attend for sure on the 19th, next Wednesday? Yeah. Ne next I'm Wednesday? definitely oh, on board Wednesday. for next So Wednesday. we will have a quorum. Thank you very much. You can, oh, Karen's right. Karen's on here. So do we want to move it to the 26th instead? I'm okay with the 26th. So you, can have, you can have it on Yes, I'm okay on the 26th, too, because um, I'm not going out until the 27th. So, yep. The only problem, is that early voting? Uh, that's how, that I haven't checked into. I have to look and the 26? see. The yeah. 26th? I don't know. I don't know, but I mean... Well, I'm here on the 26th, 20th. but but I mean I, you've done minutes you've done minutes without people yeah, being here. Yeah. It's not you, right, you, you can do it online. What did do you, you want me to do a Zoom then for June for the 26th of October? I How come we can do Zooms now? You, we still have permission by the we're state still, until the state March. The state still allows it until March. Well, we can, I don't think we can have the Zoom because it's early voting. Oh, I don't know when early voting technically starts. I'm just looking right now to see if I can find it. But I, I can be here the 19th <coughs> or the 26th. It's up to you guys. Jim? I'm always around. Yeah, Jim's always <laughs> around too. Me and Jim don't have lives. It's pretty sad. It's Early sad. voting starts October 22nd through November 4th, according to the state. I don't know where it's, it starts here. It might be the 20th. You might be right. It might be that week in here. So, um, so if it's okay with everybody, we'll have a Zoom on the 26th. We'll just that do works. the 19th. Just do the 19th. Just do the 19th. And I, and I can take some notes, and, okay, and can Karen can okay, kind of do it from so my can, notes. Is that the, fine with you, that you just listen to the minutes? Yeah. I can take some notes, and she can look on the, watch it, and between the two of us. Because she'll look at my hen peckings and say, what? Yeah, but you can watch it. Oh, sorry. I'll do, I'll take notes. All right, so we'll just do it on the... Night. We'll do it on the 19th. That's fine. You have the night off, Karen. So I make a motion that we adjourn adjourn our meeting at uh, 9.08 p.m. Uh, Why do I keep saying seven? <laughs> I'll second. David yes, second it. Aye. Jim. Aye. Kathy. Aye. David. Aye. And I'm an aye. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Houston. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Have a good night and stay safe.